a special show, special NBA focus show. We got Steve Fez again. Maddie Holt was in on Monday. We're taping on Wednesday, and we recorded a good uh, amount, a nice conversation about the Utah Jazz. He was in on the Straight Out of Vegas show. We said, let's, the pod loves Mr. Maddie Holt. Let's get him on tape. We're going to have that also. But here's the special show. And we also got the Hitman has a prop that you like. Yes. I don't like it. I think it's all right. I don't like it. But I've got a special super duper NBA future bet of the year. I mean, we do realize that's my bet, right? Amen, brother. All right. And that will come at the end of the show. We'll try to do about an hour here. We always say for that, and it's three. But I'm going to keep it tight. And I always say that. (laughs) Let me tell you a story now. And to (laughs) me, (laughs) you know what's funny, Mackenzie? He's about, like, since I told him how important it is to hit hit the button when he wants to laugh or talk, he's actually, like, less than 50%. What he does, though, he doesn't understand how good my hearing is. He hits it, and I hear him laugh, and he realizes he's not hearing it in his ear, and he has to hit it a second time. So we get to the end. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, how hard is it to hit that freaking button? Well, you you know, you make someone laugh. It's not a choice to laugh. You have to make someone laugh. I'm not sure when, it, you know, it just comes. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It's I'm not saying you're supposed to anticipate your laugh. I'm saying once you know you're laughing and you press the button because we want to share the laughter, <laughs> you should be able to hit the button, which is like, what, three inches by three inches? At least 90% of the time on the first swing, don't you think? Yeah, I think 90% would be pretty fair. You're not yeah. a good, you were never a good baseball player, were you? I could steal bases. I couldn't hit. How did you get on base? <laughs> you were like a pitch runner? Lean into it. Yeah, Take one much. for the team. Just hope the guy throws four balls pretty much was my strategy. Yeah, You know what I think you should do? Make sure you get a nice amount of extension on the XLRs and stuff. And if you're moving and you're, you're over in a corner looking at a screen, just bring it with you and always keep it in the same relative place. Like, uh, you know, foot up and a foot to the right, and it's always generally where it's at. That's where I got it. But you haven't done that typically, have you? No. You like the idea? Yes. Moving around, same place, same time. You can have it for free. (laughs) It's yours. Faz, go ahead. And you've got a big best bet, right? I do. Is it in uh, uh, college football? FCS, baby. But you also like a few of the things in the NBA. Yes. And you came around on my special Super Duper bet. Oh, I like this bet. Initially, so much. It's like. I love it. it, 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 it. It's, you know. It's a big payout that I think can win. I mean, got to get excited. Yeah, it's going to lose most of the time, but it's a 12-to-1 it's a payout. All right. But here is the driver of the show, MVP. We gave it to you last week. I mean, in a way, if you're a week behind, you're just behind. I said Embiid for MVP. I was as explicit as you can get. Wouldn't you agree with that, Fez? Absolutely. And at the time, Mackenzie, Embiid was what? Were the shot and what we do is a sharp consensus three outs. Go ahead. Plus five fifty last week. And now a week later, three to one. Now, did I cause that? I wouldn't say that. Others would. I wouldn't. I'm humble. Is it that I saw the truth and then later others saw the truth? Coincidentally, maybe. What do you think, Faz? Oh, whoa! Now magically. 
All these batters have ignored Ace the Rothstein was a hell of a handicapper. I can tell you that. I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country. Mackenzie, why'd you hit that? I'm trying to be humble here. Go ahead, Fast. So all these bettors who have ignored the MVP betting and just let Embiid be plus 550 well, the whole year. Right? Well, I, can, I, can, I get it. Now, college basketball season has ended. So now they're suddenly looking. Well, no, wait. College basketball hasn't ended. <laughs> it's heating up. March Madness you is know, coming around. That, boy, the Celtics are losing by... 23 points against the Hawks? You know, the Celtics just lost back-to-back -back really close, heartbreaking games. Luka, you know, hit hit, yeah. hit those threes. And the fact that they're um, collapsing against the Hawks, that's not a good sign. I mean, it goes to show you the psychology is so important. It really is. Um, let's be honest. And be putting up to 50 on Friday was a narrative driver. And, and, and I tell you this, I've seen this now – thing you got to realize is the market's nothing like it was even you know what's it been now two uh two and a half years since legalization it's different and I, it's exciting to me as it changes you know same thing's boring but i would say the aaron Rodgers mvp was an example of this that i think it was around week 12 or so they were even Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, right about the same. Yes. And the smart people, and I'm talking about even radio guys that were, you know, thinking about things as a gambler, not even batters necessarily. They were like, no, I think Aaron Rodgers got the narrative, got the. And then you heard people saying, like, yeah, I think he's going to be minus 300 by next week. And it's like, first off, efficient market theory 101 is all known information is built into the line. It's not like people that don't bet or don't understand finance will say things like, well, I think next week when the dividend comes out, it's going to go up. It's like, well, you know the dividend's coming out. So does the hedge funds. It's priced into it. Everything is, but it doesn't seem like that because you know why? Because in most of these, it, it doesn't seem like that in these markets. And here's why I think that is. It's because most of the bettors aren't. They got to hear it from Stephen A. They got to, you know, it trickles down. It starts on Reddit or it starts in some private conversation. And then it becomes something that's on the more cutting edge shows. And then two days later, it's on, you know, the national shows, Colin, uh, Stephen A. Now, not that Colin doesn't sometimes initiate stuff, but in general, you can almost see the, um, Remember back in school, Fez, there was how the bill, how a bill becomes a law. It was like there's the steps. I'm just a bill. <laughs> Brought to you on Capitol Hill. Tag it, tag it. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's great. <laughs> that is really good. But <laughs> but it's how a narrative becomes a national narrative. And some, a lot of them die on the vine. They just don't, it's Darwinian. How good is this narrative? Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. and, and to me, obviously, the Embiid was being talked about. I saw it as I don't think LeBron's going to be able to keep this up. So who's the viable candidate? Embiid was it to me, the main one. It's moved now. And the 50 points helped it, no doubt. And I couldn't predict that. But it was part of the handicap, which is this guy cares. Mm -hmm. He cared. You know when I saw he cared the most is when he was going against potentially Gobert and he was a late game time scratch. I'm like, huh. He didn't. Gobert is the kind of guy – keeps you the 17 he didn't want that yes i think that was a sage observation that all of a sudden that calf got a little strained bad, the back's a little bad. tight yeah and listen i i started i, I said this in straight out of vegas i started listening to the uh, uh these guys two guys were on the um uh, low pod the low post 
podcast, and uh, they're from Philly, and they have a show called uh, The Rights to Ricky Sanchez or something. I think that's the name of it. And uh, they are hardcore Sixer fans, hardcore. And I just listened to a couple episodes, you know, in real time because they put one out, it seems like, after every game. And I usually listen to the first, like, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And it's really like two experts. These guys really understand basketball. They're, you know, I think one's in finance. I mean, they're like smart guys. And they were talking about just Embiid playing better than he ever has, that he is clearly the best player in the NBA. It's not even close. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I know the narrative. Embiid's got a lot of talent, but injury and his work ethic, he's in shape. And then here's what dawned on me. All these analytics people were fans of the process. Most of them, if not all of them. Hanky was, in a way, one of the leaders. And if it's validated, what would validate the analytic movement? The Golden State winning was one. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't Embiid winning MVP be one of the top five validators? Mackenzie, you understand this, this culture is one of the top handful of validators in the history of analytically driven NBA play? Absolutely. The whole motif is that you got to take your lottery chances to find an Embiid. Uh, if an Embiid doesn't lead to winning or doesn't lead to success, it kind of goes against that theory. If I say, hey, I took my chance and I got an MVP out of it, it definitely bolsters that whole analytics, play the numbers, the game that, that Hinky was you know, definitely the leader in. Yeah, well, you know, my understanding, and I haven't researched all this, but my understanding is Daryl Morey was the, a mentor to Hanky. But, you know, so, you know, I, I, I don't know who was seminal. I, I don't think it was Hank, but he certainly was out front with it as much as anyone. Nobody wrote more essays and sent them out to the media Which than is, him. to me, is a great thing. I right? love reading them. Yeah, because it gives us insight. You know, these hedge fund guys are another level. It's just, you might not like it, but it's true. So we can wish we were them, or we can emulate them or try to learn from them. And I do that with scouts. I do, listen, my talent is aggregating information. And I, I smell the BS and I, I can tell when someone's thinking the way I like. I'm, I would say that is my strongest suit. And to me, would I like to be the one tinkering in the lab that's coming up with the one insight that takes me seven years to figure out and I'd be known as like the person who innovated that? That'd be fun, but I don't know. I, there's nothing I've ever, I've had eclectic interests. There's nothing I've ever, and maybe that's the point, right? Is people historically that focus on one thing achieve the highest goal or the highest achievements? Achieve the highest achievements. Yes, that's a turn of phrase. <laughs> that sucks. But on the other hand, though, in a distributed world, which would define that as I can connect with someone in India or someone wherever, just as quickly as I can, someone, you know, I can talk to someone in Japan quicker than I can walk three houses down, mm. right? Now, we get the whole, is face-to-face -face better than Zoom and all? It's a debate, but at minimum, before social, you know, just 1995, people went to conferences, not that they should now, but for just a chance for two days to be around these people, and then they're writing letters. Einstein's writing letters, and now it's like you could have, you know, this clubhouse or whatever is you, all these people are talking about. You got these disparate people. To me, in the prior era, being a specialist, I think it was best because to be an aggregator was difficult. There was too much friction to it. 
Now it's almost friction-free to aggregate. And I spend my time just thinking about RSS. How can I get the most efficient RSS feed and how many monitors should I have where I can read as many as I can with the least amount of effort, eye strain? I mean, I'm thinking about, because I just want to, like I would, <laughs> sounds demented, but I would love these uh, wires connected to the, you know, cyborg style and just have it injected in. Well, in a way, that's what our eyes are doing if we set it up right, right? Yeah. So... Uh, and by the way, I'll, I'll tweet this out. I'm still a little ways from it being uh, set up, but I, I've got a, um, an, a new computer, which is like, uh, it, it's like the chip just came out. My tech is one of these gurus at it, so he put it together for me. It was like five dimes, and then I got two 49-inch monitors, and... They're stacked on top of each other. They're, they're the ones that bend with your eye, so it's like immersive, and they're like stacked on top of each other. Uh, in each of the 49s, like four normal screens. So it's like I got eight screens, but with only one bezel now. And I'm thinking about hooking up a few of my old screens on the side, but I actually think it's overkill. But I'm really thinking about how, you know, because that's the thing. You get the right Twitter list, you get. A lot. I mean, Mackenzie. That's one of the things we've worked on is how do we get. And if you actually look at hedge fund people, they talk about info flow. Info flow is like us talking about line value. It's like it, the drive. You know, I guess line value is more emblematic of something. But it's one of the. You know, think of one of the five key phrases in sports betting. Whatever people are talking about, right? Info flows at the top of the list in that top category with hedge funds, because the theory is these are all brilliant people. The question is, what information are they getting in front of them to contemplate on a daily basis? The thing about sports betting is it's a junior varsity hedge fund environment, meaning the bet, like, I don't know about a guy like Billy Walters, maybe Billy Walters could have done it at the hedge fund level. Part of me thinks his skill set wasn't exactly that but what, what's your thoughts right you know we don't we talk about billy a good bit and i mean listen we respect billy a lot he was he was notorious 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 and i respect the hell out of him but he in a way he took professionalization or enterprise approach to sports betting and he dominated but it was mostly though his ability to manipulate the market, I think, that differentiated him and his ambition of scale. Yeah, I, I think really two factors. One is he saw the big picture. Hey, I'm going to be a mutual fund manager, and I'm going to have all these analysts working for me, mm. given their recommendations. I, I, I think, I mean, Malinsky told me this explicitly. And again, he worked for him for a decade. He said that far more than half of his differentiator was his ability to move the money. At, yes, and I think that that was that freed up his time because he wasn't the one actively handicapping that he yeah. saw how important it was to how can I optimally bet and that means getting the right outs. That means hey, if a game is lined at six and a half and I you know I like this bet plus six and a half, that's a good bet. I'll make money. But if I can get bet plus seven, that's a great bet. And he would find a way to get the market to seven. And when you have an unlimited amount of money that people would want to invest. The ability to bet X or 2X, literally you would double your profit at 2X. At 5X, you five times your profit. So it's not just to uh, push the lines around the way you want, but it's also the ability to get, I mean, look at the props. Like 
you know, to me, a super frustrating thing is when we want to bet props, we can never get our appetite filled. Never. And I don't spend a huge amount of time. I don't spend any time really on trying to set up people to be wranglers, as they're being called now, or try to find a bunch of white label outs or paper head outs. And that's a big – if you want to do this – and, again, I I think – I know at the NFL I bet at a high level. Not I'm not saying high stakes compared to $100,000 better, but, I mean, I think I'm thinking about the game at a, a nice level, but I'm not actively betting in a way like I did in the past. I mean, you just can't. You can't have a, a national radio show and run a business and handicap and bet the same. You just can't. And to me, this is – Quite frankly, I've been betting every day of my life since I was 14, right? So betting's fun, but to bet an amount that matters to me, that's interesting. I was betting nickel. This is true. I was betting nickels when I was 16. Eh, three, uh, 3.30 to 3 was my big bet like in high school still. So nickels when I was a freshman in college. So let's say 3.30 when I was like 16. And I, again, it was this was the early, early 90s. I was able to, you know, beat it pretty good. And I, I told the story. It was just I, I was a, I found a score phone that had a really fresh update at twenty five after, and my uh, seven Eastern and my bookie would come out at six thirty with his number, and he wouldn't move it till seven thirty, and and uh, so he'd let me bet at seven twenty five, uh, off the fifty five minute old number. So I would have my six or seven, let's say a big Wednesday in college basketball, six or seven games I liked. I said I'll bet the ones that move, so I'm getting a half point, right, or or maybe a point. And if my stuff was 52, because the lines weren't super sharp, then let's say mine's 53 at the time. You add in the half point or point, and it's not only you're getting that point, but maybe the momentum moves at a point and a half before long, but, you know, I don't know at the time. I mean, I was, my ROI was over 10% year after year. I mean, that sounds right, right? What would you say ROI? I mean, meaning how much, I, every time I bet 330, an average winning 30 bucks. Yeah, so I would say that's your edge, not your ROI, because you're reinvesting, right? So whenever I hear ROI over the course of a season, uh, you've probably had 100% ROI. I mean, right? I, it, it, we don't need to debate this. In general, when I hear ROI, it's how much are you risking and what's your expectation? I see, on any one bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that, I mean, that rings true because, like I said, if you're getting like a point and a half extra in a college basketball game, now you're winning 60%, so your ROI on that is, you know, 15% approximately it's funny this is a true true story so when i was a uh i had just graduated college i would have been 21 and i was 17 when i was at a high state i was just a little young for my you know age and class i never skipped a grade or anything uh, only nerds do that but like oh well i mean good 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 nerds prince princely nerds fast like your boy johnny is and it's his birthday today, right? It is. Oh, well, you know, that's another reason to make this nice and short or, you know, relatively. But um at one point, and I was I was batting dimes at this point, is uh just one, you know. But um I won twenty I still remember I won twenty eight thousand in two weeks. It just was crazy, right? It was just, you know, I won everything. And I was sitting in my you know, I, was, I, I moved back home for a year after college and I had it in hundreds. I had like a, you know, a nice you know, what was it about maybe, uh, but maybe seven inches of hundreds, maybe. And I was just looking, I go, this is, I like that. You know, there was a visceral reaction to it. And I ended up buying a house and, uh, I still, own, I still got the house. It's a rental back there. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but, um, 
I don't have a ton of houses. It was just, you know, it happened. My grandfather, it's, that's, now this is funny. My grandfather, who just passed away about two years ago, he, um, he was 80 or 95. Uh, so this would have been, he was like 75 maybe, but he was still working all the time, you know, like literally he, he was building houses. He was a, that kind of person. He worked at uh, Wheeling Pittsburgh Steel for 30 years. Then he worked at Picoma, which he got a second pension. He was so happy. He got five years in there. He loved that second pension. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so, but he still was, this would have been, let's say, 1994, or I guess, no, this would have been, yeah. yeah or Yeah. So he priced things like it was 1967. He was still like, whatever the prices were when he was like 30 or whatever, right. that was still the prices. So he would never want to buy anything. It'd be like, uh, you want this peanut butter parfait? It's 99 cents. 99 cents? You know, it was one of those things. Like, we were buying it for him, but he didn't mm -hmm. care. Yeah. So there was a neighbor of mine, and he had a house for sale. It was like urine-stained. You know, it was like, it, but it was all surface, right? It was like, sure. come and rip it out, and it's going to be great. And uh, I still remember at the time, uh, they offered, uh, the, the asking price was 25000 and it was a smaller house. It might have been fifteen hundred square feet, seventeen hundred, and or it is. And um, he's shown us through the house. My grandfather's there, me and him and the guy, and we're walking out. And he leans back to me and goes, "Take it." <laughs> and I'm like, "Holy crap! This must be the best deal ever." Right? Because your grandfather would like <laughs> yeah, you, you're a, expecting this. Are you crazy? This was a good deal in '67, is what I knew at the time. So, but I still wasn't going to take it 25. I said, "I'll do 22.5." And here's here's a lesson. I think I told this story one other time. My thought was, actually, I I think I came in at 20, and he said 22.5. Now, usually, I would never just let it be one back and forth. I'd be like, you know, wait three or four days, and then it dawned, you know, then it dawned on me. I said, "This is such a good deal. I'm fighting over the last 1,250 bucks or whatever." But I'm risking, you know, I think we estimated out quickly. It was like 25. Like if we just redid the work, did the basic stuff, we could sell for maybe 55 at the time, I think was what we were thinking. And um, so I actually put down earnest money right there. So that's a key. And again, I'm no legal advice here, but my understanding is you give 100 bucks or something and get it signed. And just a little thing says receive this a receipt. That within reason, now you have made that commitment, and that that guy so that's could, a binding contract. I don't understand exactly how it works. But what happens if I didn't pay for it within two weeks? But within reason, there's a there's a belief of that, right? Mm -hmm. And literally the next day, he got offered like thirty two, and he could have because he's thinking, are we suing? But he stood by his word. I really, uh, Mr. Kroll was the guy's name, and uh, he was uh, around the school. He was a teacher, but he passed away, you know, many years ago. But um. But it, honorable, right? But I was thinking that was a great lesson for me because I would always negotiate after that. And, you know, it worked out really well. So anyway, you can win at betting. But <laughs> back then, the bookies didn't believe when someone won. I still remember, man. It was like, I'll figure out what you're doing one day. And I wasn't doing anything that advanced. It was just compared to the normal coal miners or mill workers. Because nobody won. Literally, this bookie didn't have to have any acumen or understanding of even the math. He has 112 clients, and every single one of them over paid, the long over run. the long run. They, you know, maybe a fourth of them win any any week, but over the long run, 
He has never had a situation where he even had to contemplate back somebody off, not take their action. Uh, you're right. And th there was the book Gaming the Game that talked about the Donahue scandal. And to me, I don't listen. I reported on that, got a lot, you know, a lot from it, but I didn't understand it A to Z, like the, the guys writing books on it, even close. But they said something really important. They said a lot of the bookies in some of these, and I don't remember if it was exactly the Donahue stuff, which would have been in the early 2000s, which I don't think that it was still the case, but they were saying a lot of these old timers maybe, but the point is in the 90s, people didn't believe you could win. And, and, and like even though they were putting out newspaper lines sometimes, I mean, it was crazy. Like the AP newspaper line they put out. And thus they would take action for a long time from a winner because they maybe had never seen one before. And that some of the old-time Philly bookies, I guess now I'm putting this back together, were taking the Donahue stuff or people that were betting from his information, allegedly, blah, blah, blah. And part of it was just his belief that a better couldn't win, couldn't overcome 11 to 10 in the long run. And nowadays, it's so the opposite. If someone wins for two weeks, they want to bar them. Yeah, they accidentally kick people out that had just got lucky. Same thing happens with blackjack, frankly. There's, you know, guys come in and just get on a hot run, and all of a sudden they get barred for counting cards. Counting cards, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I'm just playing the rush. Well, they're probably trying to count cards, but I'm of the belief strongly, strongly, that card counting has made money for this casino. Oh, I agree. Because for everyone that's be winning, they actually, there's three people or 10 that think they're positive EV, but they're not. They're counting and maybe they're cutting the edge in half, but they're still negative EV. That, that's a great way to represent it. And it, it, it yeah. helps the handle, right? Yeah, yeah. Last thing on Billy, Mackenzie throws up on the screen an interesting point. There's a hedge fund manager who I've always followed because I just like his approach, Ken Griffin. Now, remember, Ken Griffin, Citadel, was in the, was in the middle of this Robin Hood uh, type stuff, and he wasn't a good guy in it, let's just say, if you're a populist. And again, I don't... To me, I understand his motivation, and he probably understands mine that I hate it. I hate if it's not a... Hey, if I could have the system rigged to my advantage, would I say, nah, I don't think so. I think I'd take it. Now, would I break the law to rig it? No, because I can be successful without that. I don't have a need to be a billionaire. Like, some people just have this insatiable need to be, like, whatever. If they're a billionaire, they got to be 10 billionaire. If they get a deco or whatever. If they, you know, and it's, I don't have, I want to be a success. I want to feel like I'm doing good work. That's my driver. And once I achieve that, I'm not that... I'm not that motivated by money, but I love it as a scorekeeper. I know it's a cliche, right? It's a way to keep score, but it is, right? And I think if you're doing something different than making money, then it's not a way to keep score. Like, meaning if I'm writing a novel and I think I have a chance to do a piece of art, but I know if I do A, it will sell better, but B is the better piece of art, I don't think there's any virtue in A. I think the virtue's in B. Now, if I'm starving, I do A even though I want to do B, right? And we all got to have our own internal scorecard. And let's accept if it's about your kid having health care or a chance at a good education, money should matter. Like maybe as much, if not more than anything. But once you are, are comfortable, now it's a choice. 
And to me, the idea that Tom Brady was, you know, so in the minority by taking, you know, five million less in a given year when, you know, his wife's worth a quarter billion. Mm. It's like, what could that last three million do for him? He could it could be like Chevy Chase and Caddyshack in a couch. He wouldn't know it necessarily. And to me, that's very simple minded thinking. Like, nope, you always get the most. It's like, yeah, you are dumb. You're not dumb because you got enough, you've made some money, but you're dumb because how can that be? Now, if that is your value system, then you got to go with it. But I don't understand how it gets there. I, I think you nailed it where you talk about it. it's almost like they're keeping score and they've got like this big spreadsheet of net worth. And it's like, oh, I won this week. It went up. Which you know? if you're playing the game and, and that's the way to keep score, I get it. But there's a game above the game. Exactly. And... You know, I've talked about that a lot. So anyway, Griffin was all about talent acquisition. And it was like uh, Citadel actually literally has a multiple week uh, hiring process before they even hire you. It's first they only get you got to be a PhD. You got to be this. You got to be Ivy League this. Like they wouldn't even look at Northwestern, even though it's in Chicago. They're like, nah. Maybe for the janitors. Maybe University of Chicago, but not Northwest. Well, certainly <laughs> University of Chicago. Yes. That's a top 10 school. And <laughs> then it's like, a, a, you know, multiple weeks. So you got to almost quit a job to even apply for this job. And then when they finally hire, and they have psychologists look at them, batter, you know, like not for 10 minutes either. And then they hire you, and 30 days later, they fire 50%. <laughs> They're only keeping half. So all that work, and they're still only hitting 50%. What's the sales movie, Glenn Gary? Yeah, Glenn Ross? Yeah, where, like, like they're, you're going to win the contest and, like, win a car, or you're going to get fired? Or, or steak knives is second <laughs> yeah. place. Third, Third prize is, that... is a set of steak knives. <laughs> oh, I thought it was second prize was steak knives. Third prize <laughs> right. is you, you're fired. That's right. Hit the bricks, pal. You know, and, and G had that under Welsh, uh, Jack Walsh, when um, Welsh, and Walsh is the movie guy in Godfather, but um, Mr. Walsh is listening. <laughs> uh, and just to show you I'm not a hard-hearted man, <laughs> that's one of the great lines in The Godfather. When he's, you know, he's yelling about Fontaine and he goes, and just to show you I'm not a hard-hearted man, that it's not all dollars and cents. She was beautiful. She was that, uh, that. And then he goes, and then he goes, and she was the best piece of as, as I've ever had it, I've had them all over the world. <laughs> There's something about that. I, I don't, I, nothing else, no character in movie history, no one I've ever met has ever taught. Like, I've seen people keep going and then, like, blow up, but, you know, which is not uncommon. But the idea is he was blowing up by saying how he's not alpha ah. hardcore. and and he's like and then he's bragging about how much ass he's got i mean it's just like it's just perfect it's just perfect but like you said uh you wrote a note i i think it was w-o-l-t-z jack waltz yes well yeah you're an authority on the godfather right <laughs> no <laughs> that's correct rj you're correct on the godfather anyway griffin billy it was about people you know, uh, Woody Hayes' autobiography is called You Win With People. I have a signed edition of that. But um, it's true. And the irony is most great technicians, people that do tinker in the lab and are, you know, good at it, are not people, people, people persons. And thus, the, the uh, Steve Jobs, 
that has just enough science to be able to talk it, but has enough of the uh, pitch man, you know, as much as the carnival barker to excel at that. And both sides don't understand why he's successful. But it's the, meaning he, he was smart, but he wasn't the smartest. It's, like it's that intersection of both the merit of it and then the promotion of it that mm. ultimately has, you know, the biggest success, I think. He was, he was notorious, 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 notorious. All right, Fez, here's what we're going to do. So we're going to go through and look at the current NBA MVP odds and walk around the league, do a little survey, and, you know, see if we can come up with another bet because we like to get a portfolio together. Dealer's choice, first team, first candidate. Let's go Durant at 15 to 1. Hate it. Hmm. Hate it. He's, he's not going to play enough games. Do we know that? Yeah, he's already. I mean, look at his pay. Forget his pays. Yeah, he's already he's, missed 13 or so. That's probably too much already. Mm. Right? But you know he's going to. They're being careful with him. I like that if you are if you like Brooklyn to win it. But, I mean, I, Mackenzie, uh, give us an over. You know, as we talk about, you know, I – uh, directed you on some work on the MVP history. You actually added a few facets that were, I think, very interesting. Let's start, though, with what is our history on game played count? So, on average, the MVP plays uh, 76 games in an 82-game season. So, this is a little bit less, obviously. And the, uh, the, the most, the biggest extreme case of missing games came during an unusual year. Last year, Giannis missed 10 games only played 86% of his season, would be like a 71 in a normal schedule, and that's the most any MVP has ever missed. All right, so you're saying 10 games is the most any MVP has ever missed. Oh, remember, our universe of time is from LeBron's first MVP. So we've got 12 mm. MVPs, which is the modern era, I think it's fair to say. No one's ever missed more than 10 games that won the MVP. Yes. That's correct. Okay. He's already missed that fact. Yeah. And I'm not saying, listen, there's always going to be an exception, but I don't want to buck something that extreme. You're right. I know. You're right. I mean, thank you. Continue. I mean, let's Dame time. Well, no, no, we're not going to do this. Let's talk Brooklyn now. Mm. Um, you've, had a, you've had a change of heart. I'll, I'll sit back and let you talk. Yeah, so last week, RJ's talking about Brooklyn. He's bullish on Brooklyn. And I'm like, ah, Brooklyn, Harden. Always disappears in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I don't trust Irving at all. And you made some convincing cases about Brooklyn. Send me home. What's Do, your position on the flat earth people? I think it's, I think Magellan's folks would disagree. So I, I, I'm, I'm pro Magellan when it comes to that. You're just dying to get Magellan back <laughs> in the conversation. I love the Magellan. But, but, but the thing is, you, you got to put it in at the right time. Not just in. Hey, look, that globe's round. I think Magellan took that path. No, no, no. It's got to be. It might take years before there's another. Well, time. you. I think yeah, you, you, you years. nailed the Magellan joke in <laughs> Kansas City and Oakland, right? That, that was the hardest. Raiders. I, I got to be candid with you. I told my wife, you know, she, who works with Faz too here is. I said, of all the thousands, we've been on the you know air over a thousand hours now. Is if you take the hardest you ever laughed and doubled it, 
it wasn't as hard as you laughed at that Magellan joke. It was about double the hardest you ever laughed. That is the funniest thing. I mean, <laughs> just comparing the Raiders driving around Arrowhead to Magellan's tour around the world. <laughs> no, the, the way I, I, the should, way you said yeah, it. The way I said it was, I said. And we were talking about how motivated Kansas City was. And then they took that Mag- – they went around in a Magellan-like FU on the way. <laughs> yes. yes. People were saying that doesn't sound funny. That's the point, right? And the funny isn't about Jack and Joe went up the hill each with a buck and a quarter. Though that's funny. It is. But it's usually not that. It's the context. It's like Seinfeld. It's very little that Seinfeld says in the show that you would just – you could pull it out and use it, mm. right? But it's all the, and I'm not saying I'm, I mean, Seinfeld's a genius at that, but I, I do think we hit one there. So, but um, continue about your thoughts on the Nets. Yeah. So the Nets, let's face it, the big three, all three of them have missed multiple games. Obviously, Harden because he wasn't with the team. Kyrie's missed more than 10 games. Durant's missed more than 10 games. They're just learning to integrate with each other. They're going to get better. I think you bring it, brought up the tremendous point. This is a very attractive team to join. If you're a veteran chasing a ring. Yeah, especially the buyouts. Yeah, a million dollars. Yeah, put me on the nets. I could use a ring for my resume, endorsements later on, and just for my yeah, I career think, achievement. I think you're being trite there. I, the, if you don't have a ring and you were serious, you know, like a real, like all-star even once, when think about how you get it now. I mean, you've been around, I'm sure, Remember that time you rushed Coach K in the bathroom? Oh, yeah. You've been in the men's re- around the <laughs> urinal. Is You've been – these people get announced a certain way. You're a two-time Super Contest champion. And it's funny because it's one piece of a big portfolio of success you've had, but it's what can people wrap their minds around. Hall of Famer is – like if you're the Hall of Famer, it's even on these shows every day, it's like – Chris Carter, Hall of Famer. Yes. Right? And also, two time, you know, uh, Mark Slaris, two time defending, or not defending, two time uh, Super Bowl winner. It's really going to be the number, the only things that matter, or the things that matter at the highest level Hall of Fame, number of titles, and worst case, number of all star appearances. You know, like all, you know, four time all pro Andy Dalton. That's going to be his, right? So winning a championship is a whole – It's it, it like, adds 30% to the, uh, the import of your career. So like, I, I think it's more than it's good for the resume. It's like a driver of it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you know what? Brooklyn doesn't have to get much better. You look at them right I don't now. have to get better at all is the question. Yeah, right now they're a half game out of first in the East. So even with all these guys out, even with the fact that they're going to improve – even with the fact that they're going to learn to play better together, despite all that, if, if all of a sudden, boom, they had to go to war right now with these guys, I still think they should be favored if they played the playoffs tomorrow and looking ahead to when they're playing these playoffs you know, in April and May, my goodness, you expect that's the team in the East that's going to get so much better. Boy, I, I think you nailed it, Brooklyn 4-1 to there. So do we have uh... – Harden's stats since he went to the Nets. I know we've been updating that daily, McKenzie. Yeah, I got that. All right. Just lay him out. Just give me one second. All right. And All right. the general yeah. gist is going to be that Harden's passing the ball like, you know, crazy. He's not scoring at the high, the high, the formerly high levels, but when he needed to against Phoenix, he did. 
And again, there's only been six games that the big three have played. But go ahead, McKenzie. So I'm comparing him to last year's season. He's scoring 10 less points per game from 35 to 25, but he's assisting about four more times per game from now 11 and a half assists per game this year versus seven and a half last year. So he's completely different style, but the production, I'd say it's about equivalent to, you know, his MVP, his MVP candidate self from former years. Now, I've heard people start talking about that from the time he's gone to Brooklyn, he's probably the most valuable player in the league. I think that he's not a consideration because of the tank job to get out of Houston. It's just It's mm. going to turn enough people off. Plus, he's won enough. It's kind of the whole point why LeBron wants to win it. There gets a point where someone, these voters think, what does this mean to the history of this player, the legacy? Again, MVP's on, right there on the list, right? Not in the NFL as much, but in the NBA. And, you know, we've got our list, which is there's Kareem with six. There's two people with five. A guy named MJ, you might have heard of him. And, uh, Will, or I'm sorry, not Will Chamberlain. Uh, Bill Russell. Bill Russell. So think about this a second. LeBron's got four with Will. So that's it. That's the only ones with four. It's a pretty freaking good list. Will Chamberlain, maybe the most talented player ever. Bill Russell, the biggest winner ever. MJ, the greatest ever. Kareem, the greatest at least so far. And I think LeBron could overtake this title when it comes to an aggregation of career stats, whatever you want to say, accomplishment, mm -hmm. you know, uh, personal accomplishment, the greatest personal accomplishment achiever in NBA history is Kareem. I think LeBron could become that and probably will, not just the point count, but you look at all of it. So much, I don't think he can pot, unless he wins, and it's not about titles. It is, but it's not. If he wins three titles, I'm going to think the longevity has been amazing, but it's like when you win three titles in 20 years, 23 years, or six titles in 23 years, let's say he wins three more or whatever. All right. He's got four, right? That's right. So I guess two more. If he wins two more and he ties the six, it's going to be hella impressive. I don't think I've ever said it like that. <laughs> like the kids. But the fact of the matter is I'm still going to put Michael there because here's the thing. He came to such a crappy team. He had to fight against one of the five best teams ever, that Pistons team, no doubt. And then once he won, once he busted through, and every game played by that Bulls team, every game, he was the best player that whole time. Wasn't any wasn't anything like anything. There was no, you know, we can all say, well, till Pippen came, yeah, till we got someone that could play with them. Who was the third best player on those teams? I mean, an old Rodman. Two I mean, coach. I, yeah, I mean, crew coach, how'd he do after? Yeah. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying he didn't have decent play, but it wasn't because of his, his people with him that he won. Sure. From when, when they beat the Lakers that first title, all right, there was never a full season that he played that he didn't win the title with the Bulls. It was like he bust. It's one thing to bust through and get six. He busted through and he never lost. It's like we've never seen anything like it. And it's it, the whole Orlando debacle obscures it. He came back with like 15 games left. He hadn't played for a year and a half. And the next year when he said, oh, someone stole the ball on me, mm. that was the 72-win team. And you know what? I went through and profiled all NBA champions from 80 on. So uh, Magic's first year, Bird's first year. 
modern, modern, or let's say the uh, mid-modern era. Okay. There's only one team that was number one in offense efficiency and number one in defensive efficiency, and it's that next Bulls team. Wow. Even Golden State wasn't that. And, again, Golden State was great. And McKenzie pops up. MJ teams never lost three straight games from 1990 through 1998. So he obviously missed some games in there. LeBron happens to be on a three-game losing streak. LeBron is Kareem. That's what people don't get. He's Kareem and better in a way. And let's give him I don't think he was as high as Kareem. Kareem's heights were higher. I, I truly believe that now I think about it. And then I also think his longevity is more impressive. But remember, Kareem played four years. You know, in college, he had to sit out his freshman year, played three years because no one can, you know, I don't think you were allowed coming out. So you imagine Kareem with another four, you know, four years. Yeah. It doesn't mean LeBron's not in the conversation. He might pass him. And I think unequivocally, accumulator of stats, LeBron and Kareem are up there. And who's next? I don't know, Carl Malone. I mean, I'm saying it's, way up there and that's amazing and he's probably one of the 10 or 12 best winners in the nba history mj's in and bill russell or and again we can debate bill russell i mean there was what six teams or something i mean it's like it was a different thing i, I mean i i would be scary to think about because as much as i love the steelers like jack lambert i don't know if he could play division one football right now i don't <laughs> i mean he was 215 pounds I mean, like a 4-7, 4-8. I get it. There's some magic to him. You know, what was that Miami linebacker, Zach Thomas or something? Like, he was like 5'11". Yeah. yeah, those guys, they don't make the pro or Hall of Fame like Jack Lambert. And, again, I don't know, maybe he could because he was a hell of a player. But how would Bill Russell play? Bill Russell would be a great coach. He might be Derek or uh, Derek Ste or not Derek Stevens. Uh, what's his Stevens from the Celtics? Brad Stevens. Yes. Brad Stevens. Yeah, he might be Brad Stevens. They played pretty, you know, pretty good in college. I don't know what Brad Stevens was in college. I'm maybe Bill Russell's a coach now. I don't know, right? That might be absurd. Maybe he'd be. But is Bill Russell going head to head with LeBron? Doesn't feel like it. No. And it doesn't mean that isn't the major. It's the major relative to your time. Jesse Owens gets beat his times literally by Texas high school kids. Every year, the Texas high school 100-meter dash winner is beat Jesse Owens, like, for a long time. Does that mean Jesse Owens was crap? No. But if we look at the time in a sport wasn't, like, guys were selling used cars, that to me is the key. If guys are selling used cars in the offseason, it means it was a, a semi-pro sport in a way. It's like someone, you know, becoming the best dart player today. It's amazing if you win 11 dart titles, but how competitive is it? And, and the NBA wasn't near as competitive, though Bill Russell's dominance was amazing. But one day we're going to say about Larry Bird couldn't play with the modern era of athleticism, and maybe they're going to be right. But at least then those people... Larry Bird was making millions of dollars. Thus, anyone that could play in the NBA was playing in the NBA. During Bill Russell's time, that's just not the case. I mean, I was listening, actually. This is wild. And then we'll move on. I was listening to Stan Hansen, the old wrestler. Remember the Lariat? He was a badass. Heard of him. Yeah, he was a guy who broke Bruno Sammartino's neck and 
Uh, and it was an accident, but they, it actually, he did accidentally break it. Uh, but him and uh, Bruiser Brody had a, this kick-ass tag team. He was big in Japan, but he was always in Pro Wrestling Illustrated or whatever. It was one of the nicest, I mean, he was like, he reminds me of people I grew up with, or not grew up with, but the parents and the grandparents, where he's just no nonsense. You know, he talks about he was a school teacher. And he goes, I got that check the first month. Looked at it. I still remember. It was $477 after taxes. And I thought to myself, golly gee, how am I going to make it? You know, like the way he talks is just like this really nice guy that's, that also looks squarely at the, in the eye of reality. And actually, it's him here that I did this notorious drop around. I put effects on it. He was, he was notorious. 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 And he was talking about Andre drinking. Mm. Because they said, did you ever drink with Andre? He goes, yeah, because regretfully I did. <laughs> but it's a great interview. If uh, Hannah, There's some guy named Hannibal that does wrestling interviews, but it was really great. But he said he was drowned. You know, he played at North Texas State, I think, or Southwest Texas, where all the wrestlers came from, State. And he actually got drafted or was a free agent signing for the Chargers to play in the NFL. And he was down to the last cut. And he said, I thought I had a chance to make it. He goes, but I was never going to be good. And I figure I might as well start. And think about it. He had a chance. I guess it would have been 67, 68. Well, he could have, you know, a lot of guys that stick in the NFL get cut the first year. They keep training, get cut. The se- you know, that's what James Harrison did. He wasn't even on a team for years. This guy, before the last cuts, nah, I'm going to go teach. Because he had a job lined up and they were going to give it to someone. Think about that. How can you take the NFL in 67 seriously if people were literally quitting to become a, a public school teacher because they would have just been on the fringe? You, you know, it's interesting because I, I don't know why late night I was watching a bowling tournament. Okay. And the – there's you, a point were you here. you live game betting it? No. And the guy that was in the finals, three bowlers, they said, yeah, yeah my, my employer is letting me bowl in this, and you know, and, and they're going to let me bowl in the tournament of champions. So, like bowling, yeah, it, 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 you, you just can't make any money. He's in the tournament of champions, had to get another job. So almost like chess players, other than the very, oh. and in general, if a endeavor doesn't have a hundred percent participation. If you have the talent, it's less competitive than something else. And that does. And it doesn't mean it wasn't amazing, wasn't great. Jim Brown was great, but it was different. Sure. It was different. All right. Uh, Stan Hansen, he was tough. You were just straight WWF, right? Uh, yes, but before that Georgia Championship oh. Wrestling because of the cable. Do you do a Gordon, uh, Gordon Soley imitation? Oh, yeah. Let me hear it. So you're facing the what Mr. Res- Mr. Wrestling number 2, you're facing the superstar. He's got you by about 50. Wait, when are you going to start the imitation? Oh, he's very dry. Gordon Sully had no personality at all, right? No, I, I, no. they said he was a, I, I don't know. I, I think I remember that he was a huge drinker that he'd sit in his hotel room just dying really? bourbon. He kind of had a, you know, I don't know. I don't let's just say this. I don't even know if it's allegedly. I I recall that he was not as Let's just say there might have been, uh, as uh, Pritchard says, he had demons perhaps. Mm. Might be the. (laughs) All right. So Brooklyn, we started with Harden. And how about how the team has done with the number of big three since the trade? So they've had six games 
with all three of them. How, how has that been? In those games, they're five and one straight up, three and three against the spread. And they lost the first one and yes. won five straight. They lost the first one to Cleveland in double overtime. And they were up by like, you know, anecdotally by eight in the last minute. So they're really, you know, could, could be easily six and zero. Yeah, I think it's important, too, that as they've played together, they've gotten better. And it's so funny. They will get better, I think, too. Because we're talking about, well, the Lakers, it doesn't really count because AD's out. It's like they've had multiple games with just one of the – imagine a team – what other team could even be decent that two of the three best players is out? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point that what's the best team – and, Sh- and the fact that Schroeder apparently is the third best player is an indictment of the Lakers right there. Yeah, yeah. And Schroeder's worth at most a point probably. So let me ask you this question. Why haven't the Nets' odds plummeted? I haven't checked today, but last week on Straight Out of Vegas, I gave it out officially 4-1. to one. I said, I'm betting this bet it. It was plus 330 yesterday. And again, shop consensus three books. What are you seeing Mackenzie now. The Westgate moved, made it shorter for, to 300, but in general, the consensus is still 330. In the month or five weeks now since the trade, two gigantic questions have been answered. One, will Harden be willing to integrate into this team? And we've got the stats. Yes. Number two, Will Kyrie get his mind, you know, somewhat focused on basketball? In general, directionally, that's been the case. Check the box, yeah. Also, the big question has been defense. And what I find interesting, and we got the numbers here, if you look at the defensive effort against winning teams versus non-winning teams, McKenzie. So against winning teams, they're 11-2, and and they're preventing, or their opponents are scoring two. McKenzie? Yeah. Don't say they're 50 times, please. The Nets. I know. When I'm listening to podcasts, I always think, yeah, why so, can't so you just do, help us so out? So do it. I'm do glad, it. I'm glad I'm you know, learning. Thank you. So they're keeping winning teams two and a half points below their expected points total. That's the exact opposite when they're facing non-winning teams who are scoring five and a half points more than Vegas expects them before the game. All right. So they're exceeding expectations. So part of, so what's their net margin in those games against winners? ATS margin. And what, six, six and a half, plus six and a half. So about 35, 40% of the margins coming from superior defense. Yes. Or at least relative to expectation. Mm. They're playing some pretty good D when they're locked in. And again, they don't, Durant's their best defender, you could make the case. So you're, would, mi- you're missing not only Durant's offense. I mean, this, this is, this could, in theory, if these guys play well, you know, Keep this going. Because what happens is, it's like anything else. It's a good McKenzie example. He's struggling. He's almost ready to get fired. It's been a while now, but it wasn't that long ago. And then he'll step up. Oh, great, he's back. But then the minute that you (laughs) give him a compliment, the next day it's guaranteed it's going to be the same crap again. (laughs) (laughs) So here's like, that's kind of like me too. Well, I think it's all of us, right, as human beings. But some are worse than others. Yes. And in general... The Nets are susceptible to that, right? Because obviously Harden has a base level and is not necessarily being unselfish, right? Yes. Maybe he was doing what was best for the team by shooting all the time, and maybe he is unselfish. I don't know. 
but I know Kyrie is not always this focused on basketball. Yeah, and I I can tell you that I I reached out to one of my former betting partners, and I was like, this Nets four to one looks really good, and he hasn't been following the NBA actively. All right, he's been doing college basketball, and he just replied back, eh. Kyrie, Harden, no thank you. So kind of like you. Just dismissed it like I did. Yes, it's it's like you've got those narratives and they're like, ah, Achilles injury, you know, Durant won't, he won't be the same. But why why would someone who's not actively betting something be noteworthy? I mean, I get why. Well, because he is betting big time in the marketplace, and I think there's a lot of people asleep on Yeah, but there's enough enough NBA betters. Listen, Utah, we'll go to that next, has moved significantly – since last week. Yes. Mackenzie, recap that. So it was 12 to 1 all the way through Friday. Monday we did it 8 to 1 with a lot of the sharper books at 5 to 1. Okay. And, and Westgate was at 5 to 1. Right. All right. So to me, even though Utah lost to the Clippers finally, you know, whereas they have a loss, everyone woke up and said, hey, this Jazz team is really good. Okay. So why isn't the Nets getting the same treatment? You know, that's a great question. I cannot answer it because, you know, the more I think about this, and I know you and Maddie discussed, hey, if these teams face in the finals, you know, what are the odds going to be against the Lakers? And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I don't want any part of the Lakers. I want the Nets in this finals. I, I think they'd be the clear-cut favorite. I would make the following case. If they play, if they all stay healthy, that's an if, and they play this way together... And they play this way together. You know, Fez just passed me a note. We we put out a big bet on this. And I gave it on Twitter. So if you're not following on Twitter, you're making a mistake. At RJ in Vegas. So ads for everyone. And then it's, you know, everyone has that. RJ in Vegas. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we gave out. Oh, this, this is when it feels good, isn't it? And we... Dude, my, my jumbos might come in. So, um, Oh, they're favored to come in. Yeah. So my thought was that it was a perfect storm. And, and let's give some credit where credit's due. Fez and I came up with his pick independently, which never happens on a prop like this. And he thought the same as me here. I don't think your analysis was quite as sharp. But um, over Devin Booker tonight on Wednesday. And the rationale was he was going to make a statement. The fact he was excluded, he was going to make a statement. Now he's included. He's still the black sheep inclusion, the last one, the straggler. The guy's picked for the all-star team because the other family's going to the beach. That kind of thing. I happened to me once. I can't lie. <laughs> it's, I was happy. I put little stars on my hat and stuff. And the over-under was, uh, we got it, what, 26? 26 and a half. Uh, we do shoes. Yes. And um, it opened at 26. So, you know, the market agreed. And we looked at it, and it didn't seem to be initially fully accounted for. Well, you were right about the points. I guess you're still in good shape there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll fill you in. He's just passed. We might as well talk about it now. We're talking about it. So my thinking was, all right, what's his average on the season? Well, his average on the season was 24.7 points for Booker. So it's like... Hmm, okay, it's up a little bit. But then Fez, actually, this was your insight. Hey, if you look at the last month, he was like at 20, a little bit more like 26, right? 26.8. All right, so almost the 20. So it's like, okay, wow, we're there. Though small sample size. But then it's like, well, the motivation. And, and then, well, what's the pace of the game? And it's like, well, 
Uh, Charlotte's 221 average, a little below, uh, you know, their total, 223. So both teams are just a smidge below average. But, you know, it, not enough to even move the needle. So I'm like, maybe there's a point here being accounted for in this motivation. I think it's huge. So we, I put, you know, I made a big bet on it. But then what I'm excited about, and it's over at this point, but right now, and this isn't what I'm excited about, but I'll tell you, is uh, with, and again, it's been a minute, but three minutes left in the first quarter, he's got 16 points. And Fez did another level after this. He said, I think Chris Paul, and again, let's be honest, Fez, it was my, me saying one of the reasons I liked this was Chris Paul being an all-star is going to facilitate, yes, McKenzie, facilitate Booker making his statement. Implied bets. Yes. Oh, so um, define that. An implied bet is when someone makes a statement that when you think about what they're saying, they, they aren't actively saying I'm betting this but what they're saying is that uh -huh. if I was betting I would be betting this because this is what I'm forecasting okay but what how is that the case Chris Paul is forecasting what well you forecasted that you know Chris Paul is going to go oh, he, he's, oh, okay right? you're saying taking my thesis and saying here's the way to bet it yes you, you basically laid out what yeah. what's going to happen in the game so we went under points because we thought or Fez did I actually didn't do this under points and for Paul, he's got zero points right now and over assists, and he's got four already. And the assists seem to be juiced up. So the market was agreeing with us. Yes. Like, which, boy, that's one big level we move from the Booker stuff. That is. I mean, know? maybe it's coincidental. He might be on a run. We didn't really check that. Um, <clears throat> but here's the last juicy piece. I was able to get off on uh, over 33.5 plus 270, over 35.5 plus... 400 over 36 and a half plus f about 500 490 over 37 and a half plus 630 and finally over 38 and a half plus 750 now i only got small pieces on those uh, boy that's gonna be sweet huh that's gonna be sweet seven so seven at boy it just shows you how important each bucket is right and if i told you right now his over under is 40 for the game does that seem about right to you? You know what's funny? I do think that the statement, the fact if, if, if he put up 27 in the first half and scored 34, that's not the headline he wants. He wants that he, I, I would have loved to get like an over 48 mm -hmm. at like whatever crazy odds because I think this is a, it's like Kobe going for 80. I think it's a, the, it's like Kobe's last game more. Kobe was horrible at that. I mean, there was a reason he was, gonna retire right he wasn't retiring by choice and he put up 50 or 60 i can't remember 60 i think it was 60 so if you're a shooter and you want to and you're shooting you can put up 50 and like and, and mckenzie made a brilliant point i thought and again i don't say that often it, i mean he's a smart guy but he's not putting it all together yet but he said the fact that phoenix is a big favorite means that they're going to, in a way, if they're out front, they're going to get to kind of dictate pace. They're going to dictate, you know, it, it, it's like if they were in a com super competitive game, and again, well, who knows? It could, what's the score right now? 37-33, Phoenix yeah. is ahead. So it could be competitive, but when you have a lot, what was the line, nine and a half or ten? Nine and a half, yeah. When you have that, it's like odds are you're going to be up big in the, you know, somewhat big in the fourth, and, and it's going to make sense to keep, you know, if you want to make a statement, to keep the train rolling. Yes. If you're down points, now you're not worried about who's getting the ball as much as you just want to score. Right, because if you're – suddenly the other team can start double-teaming Booker and it's optimal for him to pass. But you know what? If you're up 
nine points. Who cares? He's going to keep shooting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just fine. think if anything, the game, if the game matters less, the points can matter more. Yeah. Is that a fair um, recap of what you thought, uh, Mackenzie? That's poetry, man. If the game matters less, the points matter more. And the inverse of that is true. If the points matter more, the games matter less, LeBron. <laughs> All right, we got Maddie Holt. We're gonna transition to Jazz. Yeah. So there's no. Do you agree? No one on the Nets is worthy of a. a in a way, they're they're slicing and dicing each other. You know, they're splitting the pie. I think that's well said because you mentioned that Harden. Um, you could make the case he's playing at MVP level for sure. But everyone know everyone knows Durant's better than Harden. So how can we vote for Harden? Plus, he was such a shit. Yeah. In Houston, yeah. and he's won enough. And the way that press conference, yeah. He may be the MVP, won't get it. Yes. All right. Utah Jazz. I'll keep it short because you've been generous. I preached the Jazz last week, too. Amen, brother. And you were skeptical. You said, well, I, actually, it's lucky. I've actually got the tape on this. One second. <laughs> ah, maybe the regular season, but... uh. Yeah, these are the team. They try harder in the playoffs, and their levels just naturally higher in the regular season. But then you had to downgrade them in the playoffs. I like the Lakers. Yes, these altitude teams, Denver and Utah, <laughs> oh, they geez. always put up these big records, and everyone talks about them being a dark horse and how they're a number four or five seed that can no it, one wants to play. We know say. the mistaken analysis. You're having too yes. much fun with it. Why did you change? Why did you finally catch up? I guess. Well. I looked at the domination that Utah's having this year. They only have six losses. But I told you about the yes. Denver stuff last week. Yes, yes. And then I went back and looked at what train wrecked Utah last year. And it's like they had a real nice player, Bogdanovich, voluntary surgery. He says, nah, I'm not going go to go to the bubble. I don't want to play. Gobert and Mitchell had chemistry issues. They had a new addition. Chemistry issues, like literally viruses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think of that. Clarkson is a better player this year now, than last did year. He, did he get first or second on American Idol? Oh, first, I think. Yeah. yeah. So this Utah team <laughs> he is... He didn't even get it, but he's just... <laughs> I know, he's like, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> is, oh, okay. Is, this Utah oh, team is not just better. They're much better than last year's team, and last year's team almost got a number three seed in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that... Um, and like you said, Clarkson is someone who is able to be the leading scorer on the second unit, which you, second units need that. The guy who's mm -hmm. running, running gun, shoot from anywhere, no conscience. And Gobert's just engaged. Supposedly the contract got him engaged. He got a, a nice contract. I, I'm, I mean, I know everyone's scared of the Lakers, but I was preaching this. And Zach Lowe saying this, so I don't get it. What was the entering the playoffs last year? So eight games in the bubble, entering the playoffs. What was the consensus sharp take on the Lakers? That the Clippers were better. Mm -hmm. And that they weren't shooting well in the bubble. And Clippers, they weren't making their threes. They didn't have enough outside shooting. So they, they were clearly, I don't know about clearly, they were clearly not the favorite to win the title. But they were, I was going to say clearly the third favorite behind Milwaukee. I think it was kind of close, right? And the layoff was going to hurt the Lakers more than it was favoring the younger teams. Oh, LeBron's the one that said it because it, it, it takes time to recondition. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the fact they won, and I would make the case, 
First of all, if you win a title, I don't give a shit. It's a title. Mm -hmm. You got a ring. I don't care if it was a strike season. I don't care. No one talks about Tim Duncan's, you know, strike season. Or it's He's got four or whatever. All right. That said, the path to the finals was the easiest of any champion in memory. Who they beat? And I know you like Portland in that series. And Colin did too. You both thought Portland would beat him in the first round. Mm. This team that now gets the benefit of the doubt by everyone. They beat Portland, who was really fatigued in that game. Yes. Or in that series. In series. And then they beat Houston, who disbanded the team after. <laughs> and then Denver. Denver, who was exhausted from that Utah game series. Mm -hmm. And then the Miami Heat team that was like, with a sixth seed or something. I mean, listen, you won. And a Miami Heat team, the two, two of their starters got injured. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it's a title, but it's the least impressive champ. And then they turned over most of the team other than AD and LeBron. Now you got LeBron a year older who's trying to go for an MVP. And it's my, my belief that everything he does because of the MVP narrative campaign, let's call it, it's a zero-sum game. That extra effort he wouldn't do if it wasn't for the MVP. Why wouldn't he do it? It's because it's not best for winning in June. And to me, it's a zero-sum game. Every in increment of effort he puts in that he wouldn't otherwise, meaning he's playing an extra five minutes because of the MVP, that's hurting him. Or everyone's premises are wrong about what hurts you. And you had me look at those minutes and LeBron averaging 35 minutes for the year. That's okay. That's like 20th most in the NBA. That's too much. But in February, he's averaging 38 minutes, and that would put him right at the very top in terms of usage per game in the NBA on top of the fact he doesn't miss any games. Well, I think it's bigger than that. McKenzie, unless I'm mistaken, he's now the minutes leader this season, meaning the per game isn't a leader, but because he's played uh, every game. Can you check on that? Yep, check it. Now here's our history we did some work on. So LeBron has 61,000-plus minutes logged in his career. That is third all-time. Right? Carl Malone had 63,000. And Kareem, a.k.a., or formerly known as Lou Alcindor, 66,000. So 61, 63 Malone, 66 Kareem. At his current pace, 3,500 minutes per season, he would become the all-time leader, and this is combined now, playoffs and regular season, in the next two or three seasons. Okay. Ah, so you're saying it's been done before. At the age of 36, and he's 36 in only 56 days, so he just turned 36. He has 12,000 more minutes than Malone or Kareem had at that age. So at the age of 36 and 56 days, Mackenzie, you did this down to the day. I love it. I love it. Kareem had 43,000 minutes. Well, if he did it the day, I'm going to do it to the, the minute. 43,121 in the regular season, 5,357 in the playoffs. So 48,478. You know, Fez, I actually have, when you start doing like what it's I'm a lot doing of numbers. Now, that's what I'm saying. I've got a little drop for you. So you got to know when you hear this drop, you're supposed to stop talking because if you try to talk over it, I'll just keep making it louder and louder and louder, and you won't want that. Six, seven, eight, six, seven, five, three, four, 99. 99.
Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Do you want that? No. <laughs> so I played it on myself. That's pretty advanced stuff, Mackenzie. What do you think of that? Expert DJ work. That was interesting. The way it hits the eight, six, seven. Yeah, one more time. Listen to this. Six, seven, eight, six, seven, five, three, four, nine, 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 no. You're so square. You might be the squarest person I've ever met when it comes to, like, cultural. Well, I guess not. Pop culture. It's the Beatles White Album. Oh. Yeah, it's Revolution Number 9. It's, like, 20 minutes of just, like, noise. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they could do it. Give them credit. So, anyway, I'm going to go with the, the totals here. Kareem had 48, 478. Malone had 48, 109. So, history says, all right, this is where you should be at at this point if you're a big player. Big minutes. LeBron has 60,900. 48,000 versus 60,900 at this stage. <sighs> Wowza. And to play all the way to the end of October, turn around in an unprecedented way, and then to assume he plays through June and plays well in June, that's never happened. So the person with the most minutes on his legs at this point of his career and it's not even close. It's like 20% more. And now he gets, what, six weeks off before he has to go right back at it. It's unprecedented. Wow. And now he's saying, I'm going to play every game? That's a huge question mark. And AD's a huge question mark. Who knows? He might, we might, it might be like a girly thing where he's, you know, he doesn't play. He plays in the finals and he's limping around. Well, you, saw, we know? you, you, you documented how... The Golden State injuries, how those guys played so many minutes and then all of a sudden, boom, two, you know, catastrophic injuries. So we did the work at the time and, and uh, we said, let's define catastrophic injury by projected to miss 10 plus months. Up until the point of the finals, there were two catastrophic injuries in the entire NBA, every team. And there were two with Golden State in the finals. Again, small sample, but boy. They were at the end of an unprecedented run over multiple seasons of playing late into the year. Maybe not. Well, I think unprecedented, yeah, because Michael yeah. never – he had those two years with, you know, or one and a half playing baseball. Yeah, I don't know if – I mean, Golden State was in the finals, what, every year for like five years or six years? Five years, first team since the Russell Celtics, which was oh. a different league, obviously. Yeah, so that's a great point. So they were – that series was like – uncharted territory and they blow out two catastrophic injuries again i don't think it's coincidence i don't i can't prove it i'm not saying lebron i mean lebron is you know in a way unlike any other basketball player with his physical abilities but it's no, listen michael got old everyone gets old father times undefeated fez brady uh, yeah well like oh. you said he's gonna be 44 next year <laughs> you've only been wrong seven straight years with brady Good work, Mackenzie. That, that uh, how did the, how did this work strike you? Because obviously I directed it, but you did it. I don't know, but obviously one day Mackenzie will be directing things. I thought it was crazy that he's pretty much where Carl Malone and Kareem are at when they retired, and they retired at 40, 41. So he's had like a forty years old, you know, type of mileage for an NBA player. 
And it's not just that. It is that because you could say, well, the college stuff the other guys had. And I think the story here is we're looking at him as still in his prime. If you ask people, where's LeBron's game at? Most people are going to say he's either playing as well as ever or 5% off. Yes. That's what I hear. 5% off. Mm -hmm. And that's probably true. What's he going to be playing in June? The combination of this, because he's looked at as a 36-year-old that's still close to his prime. Maybe our projection of where he's going to be in June should be more pessimistic, because that's what matters if you're looking at title odds. And I would make the case that LeBron going for the MVP is the worst thing he could do right now. I agree. and But I think he wants it for his legacy. Like you mentioned, MJ has the five, LeBron has the four. So he would be even MVPs. with them. And, you know, even in recent games, we've spoken about when you start t- to tire, what goes? You're outside shooting. So LeBron, the last six games, he shot 16% from three-point range. Over the course of a season, he was just a little bit better than double that 16%. So he has absolutely stopped making the three-point <laughs> shots. <laughs> Look what Mackenzie put on the screen. I, I, I have the sound on this, but I, ha- I didn't load it. This was one of the greatest Fezzik moments. What, I want you to tell the story. Like, however you think it's like your goal here is to convey uh, the, the character of the moment, how, how, what you were intending, how it came off, just, you know, 40 seconds. So LeBron's making one-sixth of his threes. <laughs> The past six games over the course of the season. Oh, it's past six. I didn't even know that. <laughs> the past season, he's made during the season, he's made two sixths. <laughs> this is on live radio, too, nationally, 225 stations. Here's the funny thing. We listen, I got no, I'm not Mr. Radio Voice, but a lot of people have issues with syllabus or syllabus is what they call it. I happen not to have that. I can say, like, uh, the willow whispered in the spring league, and I, you don't get a lot of whistling. Um, I got other things. My R's aren't strong. I, I trail off words. Okay. Um, you are amongst a group that, you know, when you, you, I mean, it's not Elmer Fudd, but it's like that, it's on that spectrum, right? So in general, like we have a, a de-esser, it's called, that's on you a little bit. But you chose, the thing was, it took deliberate thought. Because you've, I, we've been on air, like we said, over a thousand hours. I've never heard you say like one sixth and two sixth. So you deliberately said, because you've been thinking, how do I present? You got great info. How do I present it? And your conclusion was to say, <laughs> your conclusion was to say, well, let, let's compare LeBron. He had one sixth, one sixth of his th- of his threes, <laughs> the last six games. <laughs> Then it's like a riddle. You go, and he was hitting two sixths previously. It was like it was like someone was trying to get you to be like a movie made about this moment, and you like did it to yourself with the s's <laughs> I mean, and, the, and the fractions. And you know worse than anyone. I mean, like probably a third of the people on air have that. So I mean, it's it's like it's just certain words. You know, there's those rare people that can say every word right. I'm not one of them even close. I couldn't say my THs in third grade, by the way. I believe it. I said free instead of three. <laughs> I, it actually makes a lot of sense, actually. But somehow, 
your thought was like because you were trying to simplify for the masses, right? Yeah. And that was your answer. One six, two six. I liked your six, seven, Number nine. <sighs> Let's hear Maddie Hole. He's going to be in. Uh, Dave Esler's plan to be in for the tournament. We're going to have an extravaganza for the NCAA tournament. I mean, oof. Uh, um, and I'm not sure if we're going to be putting out Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. So this is a, a good time to go make sure. And all your players, if you have multiple players, like I have one iPad that I'm on iTunes and the other one I'm on something else. Uh, what's the name of that? I was going to recommend that app. I can't remember. Uh Something with a C. One second. It's um, Castro. That's interesting. Um, Castro is an app that makes it more like a fee where you get your your uh, podcast in in sequence and you can put them in an inbox or you can dump them. You can put rules on. It's actually cool. Um, I use that on another pad. So if you have multiple players, different companies, just straight out of Vegas, RJ Bell. Oh, actually, not straight out of Vegas. I always say that on the show. It, this is Dream Preview, the Dream Preview, RJ Bell. And you can do straight out of Vegas too, 40 minutes a day, condensed good info. Uh, it's a daily, obviously. And then when we come out, you know, I'm thinking about doing something on Thursday, like 20, knock off 20 minutes. You know, next year, Feds, by the way, it's another reason for them to uh, subscribe, the listeners, is them people is <laughs> I think what we do is we do a Friday right after the show and do 20 minutes. Mm. It's just like we've had another 48 hours and, you know, we're going to start doing some stuff with webcams and maybe a Sunday morning, 10 minutes. We'll see about that. But it's so easy to flick the mics on out to straight out of Vegas and just record 20 minutes, line moves, whatever. That's going to be most times, but again, it's just going to be more in the moment stuff. Subscribe. And it helps our numbers. It helps, the, you know, it's a small way to support the pod. And it makes it better for you. And for March Madness, we won't exactly know when everything's coming out. So this way you get it first. All right. So Maddie's going to join us for hopefully a good chunk of that. But he and I discussed the jazz. Let's give it a listen. Okay, he's a big wig now. Well, he's always been a big wig, just getting bigger and bigger. Matty Holt's with us. And uh, football, he did a great job this year making all the pods. I mean, he, he whinged about it. So, ah, I'm busy. Ah, it shouldn't be four hours. But <laughs> with March Madness going on, and remember, the NCAA is uh, in, in the colleges. You guys at U.S. Integrity, Matt, some of your bigger – uh, contractual relationships now are on the NCAA side um, with the various what, what conferences does that involve? SEC, Pac-12, just the SEC, yeah, Big Twelve, WCC. Who just has Gonzaga number one in the land? Tell Saban I've got some some uh, criticism. No, no. <laughs> All right. So thanks for joining. You were on the radio show straight out of Vegas. We're only going to be able to do a short one here with you, a little segment, but hopefully. Uh, before March Madness, Dave Esler's coming in before oh, March Madness. In. So he said he heard you got some money. He's looking to bet. <laughs> but you were the first guy that was a real optimist about Brooklyn. Now let me caveat this. I'm not so sure how good Durant and Irving by themselves would be because Irving obviously wasn't taking this season all that seriously. But by getting that third guy, 
it feels like the other two shaky guys, right, Harden and Irving, I think Durant's a winner, right? We know yeah. that. They don't want to be the one to screw this up. So I think it's almost like they're uh, each influencing the other to play, uh, to be less selfish. Um, but all that said, you had optimism a year and a half ago with just Irving and Durant that the Nets would be one of the favorites. What's your take now of this Nets team? Oh, I think they're even better, and that's pretty obvious to say now. But what I think happens when you get two, let's say that there's seven super superstars in the league, and at any time there's like five to eight. LeBron, Durant, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kyrie, Giannis. Is Kyrie on that list? I think he's close. He's at least fringe on that list. Luka? Luka and maybe Jokic. Okay, okay. And I don't know that you go too much deeper than that. Maybe Damian Lillard. So maybe I think Lillard eight. for sure. He's okay, getting a so lot eight, of love. Eight super superstars. And, and no one from the Jazz? No. Donovan Mitchell, none of those guys make it. And not Murray. No. All right. Okay. And 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 did you you put Embiid on there? No. Really? But I guess you could add in now Embiid. Well, you wouldn't put Irving over Embiid, would you? No, but Embiid played so few games every year for so long that it was it, it actually he wasn't he didn't rise his team enough or raise his team enough because he didn't play enough. Yeah, it's it's it, it's fascinating. Even this year, he's played the most percentage of games throughout his entire career. He's played. He's still missed six out of thirty-one. If you don't believe in Philly, who in the hell is going to stop the Nets in the East? Nobody. Because I kind of believe in Philly. Because the problem at the break is you start to get the ring chasers that come on to these. We see it every year that come on to these mega teams for the veteran minimum, for the. Which can take a thin team and, and yeah. flesh them out a little That's bit. That's right. I mean, look at the Lakers. The Lakers were in a bad cap spot. Last year, they were able to fill those slots up to win a title. Then they've replaced a bunch of people, and they're probably better this year. Right, the maneuverability of guys that are chasing rings that'll take less for a year to be on that title run team is amazing, and it happens every single year. And I think the prime candidates are buyouts, yeah. which by definition they've already been paid in a way. Yep. So, um, why aren't you? You're a believer in the market. We had, you know, I've been kind of a believer in the Jazz, and your retorts been, well, look at the odds. How, you know. But there's been a surge with the Jazz, not so much with the Nets. Still plus 350 is out there for the title. Why do you think that? Is it just is it just the narrative is too simple that, oh, these guys don't play D and they're going to blow up? Colin was saying that today. Is oh, They're going to blow up before the title. It, it, I think some of it has to do with the defense because we saw the first, whatever, five or six games, the three of them played. They had, like, the worst defensive efficiency in the history of the NBA Put that up, please, since they've been tracking NBA defensive efficiency. So you're going, oh, man, no team can win a title with the with a historically bad defensive efficiency, which has only gotten better, which, of course, it can only get better from there. But their offensive efficiency numbers were equally historically as good to start. So, I mean, and this team's going to add pieces. They won a game against Phoenix, who's 8-2 and two their last 10 the other day, with no Kyrie and no um, no Durant. So, I mean, it's pretty impressive what they've done. This team's starting to fill in the holes, and they look like they're going to run through the East. All right, so if we look at the offense, then we'll look at the defense. The offense is Brooklyn's 1. This is efficiency. Clippers 2. Jazz 3. Bucks 4. Blazers 5. Denver six, 
Uh, where's the Lakers? Ooh, not in the top 10. They're actually 12. 12th, McKenzie says. So, to me, and we'll look at the D here in a minute, to me, the... I actually started a profile this weekend, and I'm actually... Well, I'll have it for the Wednesday tape, and we're taping on Monday here. Um, you'd be surprised that on offense and defense, there's been champions that's been... Usually, it's 11 or 12. Um, I went back... To 1980. So the modern era, Larry Bird and Magic. I look at the offense efficiency and the defense and the combined. I'm going by memory now. There was only two sides of the ball in that whole time that were worse than 12. Think about that. So what's it been, 40 years? Yep. So there's 80 different measures, offense, defense, times 40, and two worse than 12. So in a way, you can... And, and, and again, let me make sure that's exactly right, but it's some tight range like that. I think you can be middle of the league and great. I just don't think, or at least historically, you haven't been able to, and none of them's been in the 20s, right? So, like, the, the, the two's, like, been a 15 and a 17 or something. And if you look right now at uh, Brooklyn, what's Brooklyn on D? Because they're obviously not in the top 10. 23rd. So they've surged up. They were last for a long time. And they, and in, Here's the thing that gives me hope. When they play a winning team, their defense improves. Yes. And in the playoffs, they might have a zigzaggy flat spot, but in general, they're going to be playing hard, don't you think? Yes. And we haven't even seen the big three. And motivation is a real factor in NBA 2021 because guys healthy rest all the time. And I think COVID and the years being tacked on, it feels like there's more going through the motions than any time. And you know what? Durant probably could play right now. They're taking him very careful. And that's why some of these regular seasons are misleading. The Milwaukee unbelievable regular season. Because when you have so many of the other teams going through the motions, somebody's not going to. They're going to play their stars every night, and their regular season's going to look amazing. But when they're actually playing against all the other elite teams who are trying their B-U-T-T off every single night – then you're not going to look so good. I think on PBS, on Sesame Street, you could say, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who is corporate, <laughs> corporate, baby. I mean, <laughs> I mean, people are like pissed off. And, you know, on radio, you're like, be you. I'm thinking, what are you going <laughs> to All right. So last question. If you had a $10,000 free roll, doesn't matter who you take, but you get the first pick in the draft, meaning you get paid 10000 no matter what. There's no odds on it. Who do you take? Uh, Brooklyn. What plus money would you need to take the Lakers? Would you take the Lakers if it, it was Brooklyn at plus 100 and Lakers at plus 120? No. You wouldn't take the Lakers at plus 120? No, it would have to be a little larger for me. What, what number? Like plus 150. So plus 140 Lakers – or Brooklyn at plus 100, you take Brooklyn. And this all assumes Anthony Davis is healthy. Well, it assumes what we know now, right? Which is he could be healthy, he might not be. No, I guess 140 is too much. Because they're, I, I guess, even plus 120 in reality, because they're going to be a favorite against the. Yeah, but yeah. But it's so. But slight. let's say you're not going to hedge. You can't hedge. It's just yeah. what you truly believe. Because I'll tell you. And that, I believe in Brooklyn a lot more. 
That's impressive. And and you were first believing in the the first two or the two. The the point I was going to make then a uh, quick last one is the fact that Brooklyn's able to rest guys and still have enough. Like imagine if the Lakers rested LeBron or injured whatever LeBron and AD. How good would that team be? Yeah, not good. But somehow Brooklyn rested their two main guys at least initially. And with the guy they just traded for and the rest of them, they were able to go into Phoenix and win on That's the road? Right. In a game they were down 20. So they not, not only just win, they were able to rally. Yeah, yeah. It's And I think we agree they're going to get better because of the buyouts and the different things. Uh, would you agree, and we talked about Utah's surge, that if anything, Utah going from like 12 to 1 to 5 to 1 at the Westgate, uh, eight to one and some other, you know, at least one other spot. So, you know, in that range, this cannot be an efficient market. No, there's no rhyme or reason. The futures market's always been fairly inefficient and very volatile. It's it's narrative driven. Yes, and it's funny if you watch enough, listen enough radio podcast, you can get a feel when something's starting to percolate. Like I'll tell you this: when Mahomes. Uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers were kind of neck and neck to be MVP, like maybe week 11, week 12. At a certain point, the smart people started saying, oh, it, it, it's Aaron Rodgers. And then it was like within about five days, it went from like, you know, plus 130 to like minus 300. Yeah, like minus 500 quick. But it was like not, not that much happened. That's it, right. It, it, so to me, if you are betting these narrative markets keep your ear to the ground you get a feel when it's going to happen i think the nets are going to be like plus 180 here before two i mean whatever the lakers are at that given time i think the nets are going to have to be because if anything maybe the lakers are a little bit better maybe but lakers have a tougher road if utah is any good and the clippers and the clippers imagine this if utah gets the first seed you might say, well, seeds don't matter. But then, in theory, unless the Lakers went to four, if it's Clippers and Lakers, it would be then in the second round, Clippers-Lakers, then Utah, then New, uh, New Jersey-Brooklyn. That's a murderer's row. And think of the bad teams they'll be facing early. Denver, Portland, hoof. Matty Holt, usintegrity.com. Check it out. He's the guy fighting. He's the Joe Friday of sports betting. Thank you, Matty. Thank you. What I really like now about the Jazz, and I, I mentioned it, number one seed. I mean, they, they should be able to cruise now to the number one seed. I know. We don't but know. Now is the time. I mean, how much does the number one seed matter in a COVID year? Yeah, they still got the altitude. And even if you're getting adjusted to the altitude, you know what? That's still that Denver and Utah are still the best home court advantages. I was fascinated tonight that the Lakers were at Utah and the line was? Nine. Number nine. And we did some more research here. We're starting to pump it out. LeBron is an underdog. He's been a dog of seven plus. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shamil, Shamil. Eight times, counting this time, of seven or more in his career. Or, or in the last uh, 13 years, starting with his first Miami year. And uh, there was only three times it was this line, like you said, nine or higher. Now, I get the whole AD's out. Okay, so now we move it four points. Yes, so if AD was in, the line would be Utah minus five. And home court for Utah is two? Two. So what gives? Nothing gives. Utah's three. So Utah's clearly better, but somehow, even after the move, you can get eight to one on them. 
Yes. So I think about that leap of faith. You understand when I say explain that there's a it's incongruent. It It is incongruent. So explain. Right now, Utah's three points better than the Lakers. I know. I just said that. So even if we have a leap of faith and say, you know, Lakers, they're going to turn the switch. They're going to get better in the playoffs. Even if you say they get three points better, that still only gets them equal to the Jazz. And because of that, Jazz at eight to one, nine to one, sure looks attractive. But you didn't like it at twelve to one last year. I. I, I was living off of my old narrative. Like I said, I'm doing my preliminary NBA work. Well, you know, yeah, of that, course, in January or, yeah. or mid-February is the time to do that, isn't it? <sighs> but, you know, listen, you you came in with a statement of intent, and, you know, we got it here. This is new. I've paid all the dues. I'm going to pay. Yeah. You don't want that to be your brand, do you? No. Mackenzie, you wouldn't want that as your brand, would you? No, get better every day, like Brady. No days off? No days off like Wale. I think he made that up. Every third day off <laughs> is not necessarily as catchy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on Utah? Or you can just say just what RJ said? What RJ said, and you know what I'm going to shop tonight? Jazz Nets. Odds of a Jazz Nets NBA Ooh, that's Finals. Interesting. That's interesting. That's very I just had the epiphany that might be, you know, kind of a trailing no, no, line. I don't know if anyone is offering that now. Well, you would think. That's interesting. Um, speaking of that, we've gone long here, as usual. I think let's, let's, let's rapid fire through the other teams. Then I've got my special best bet. And then you've got something. I don't know. Something that's good. <clears throat> I don't think they're hearing this, are they? Oh, yes. Um, no, actually, how'd you do with the, the one double A last week? I lost. I heard the line moves got killed. Yeah, it's uh, so. So just did it feel no? So how many bets did you make, and how what was the record? So I I gave one out. I don't two care. Weeks. I, I'm talking about your personal bet. I just want to know how you're. Doing. Oh, and four. Okay, was that in week one? Was on one? Yeah. So one. Are you continuing? Yes. Okay. So as you look at the games with sober eyes, what should the record have been? Oh and four. Oh no, that's not fair. One and three. All One right. And so, three. what makes you think you got an edge? I'm just a school of CLV closing line value. So I bet a team. You do at, realize that's so full of crap in some ways. It's not, in some it, ways. I'm telling you. I get. I can say chocolate. You can say vanilla. I'm telling you. If the market's not liquid, the whole closing line value. Let, let me say this. I don't pull rank too often. It is like finance. It's 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 market efficiency theory. Hmm. Okay, and I did graduate among 630 students at the Ohio State University, number one in the finance class. Okay, out of how many? 630. Not 666. No, that that would be you if somehow you were number one. But but the reality is, I really took to that. I mean, there's a reason I went into this business. I real I thought, hmm, my dad's a coal miner. I could go compete against all the guys in New York or this, and I kind of, you know, I'm happy. You know, if I wasn't doing the media and I was, let's say, at the same level in the industry, I'd probably have regrets. To me, the media gives me a chance to, you know, share some stuff that I just don't, you know, telling this, telling it to the same six people is fine, but it's like nice. You know, we had a podcast, you know, one amazingly that had 940,000 listeners. That sounds crazy. I've never said that on here, but it's like it did. I mean, I got to, you know. And podcast one was doing the numbers. And 
to me, that's such a rare opportunity. And if you got, if you think you got something to say, so I enjoy, but, but I, sometimes I would have liked to cut my teeth and figure out if I could have hacked it, you know, at the high level there. I think I could, but I don't know. I, I, I know the intelligence wouldn't be like the limiting factor. It would be, I'm not I'm the smartest person in the world, but it, it's never, that's not going to be the problem. I just don't deal well with people that are, I've never had a boss. It's just I would not do well with that. But I think if someone was like, if I could be work for Axe back in the, you know, again, I'm it's that ship sail. But if someone as good as Axe is on billions, I would love to be mentored by him. It's just I hadn't met anyone that I thought, okay, I'm now I've met people like Colin in radio and media. I'm like a student at his, you know, over the years I've been a student at his feet and that, or, you know, I, what is that when you like sit there and you're writing what they say down? Because he understands that so much better than me. But someone 360 degrees of your work, I just haven't met that person. I think in a way that was the point of maybe why I should have pursued it, which I didn't see at the time, to find someone like that. But regardless, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Closing line value is based upon the idea that the market is going to be more efficient at post than it is at open. And that's directionally it's going to be right. Do you agree with that? Yes. Well said. And my question is, with an illiquid market, what makes you think that's true? Because I still believe in the efficiency of people are going to spot. With with an illiquid market, it's it's a market that's I mean, you've very. You've seen these props before. The, these props are an extreme of illiquidity. The, the, a lot of them have. No, I mean, look at this Booker prop. It moved a point. This the logic of this was impeccable. What, what are we looking at? By the way, I hope he scored since. Is the, he, he's at nineteen, but that's okay. He 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 gets his rest time at the start 19? of the second. He gets his rest time at the start of the second quarter. So he yeah, he, he was just out. Came back in and knocked down a three. He was out Woo. for like four or five minutes. He that, that, need that, a rest that's a normal this, rotation. Trying to hit forty, he doesn't need to rest today. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like MJ. Would play the whole game yeah. if he needed to. Booker, no wonder he didn't make the. Oh, I guess he didn't make it. And remember, to me, that shift didn't matter because he if anything it was probably healthier he wasn't going to be so angry but he still wanted to make a statement mm -hmm. you know because he did get named as a replacement right. right so i guess i agree that the line's going to be sharper in the long run let's say that it's half efficient it, it, i think that's fair i think that the narratives get overpriced because no one really knows and as an example one game uh tarlington state was playing New Mexico State. If I mispronounced one of those, I'm sorry. The line went from pick to six, and the underdog, the money that came against Tarleton State, they won like 48 to 10. So I mean, that, I, I would work. And we're, are you just following steam? No, I'm. I'm like talking to guys, and they're saying Tarleton State is their quarterback's out, and they got COVID issues. They're missing five starters. Wait, you start over for five. What, and, and what was the ATS margin? And it sounds like oh my god, murdered. And you're I mean, I, I bet a t I bet a team at, at Pickham that lost like forty eight to ten. You're betting the same amount now as you did. So zero for five is like white noise. Yeah. Oh, it's not white noise. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, something, white noise is the wrong. Yeah, it's. You're probably right. Actually, I, that's the difference between a true gambler and me. I have calculated risk in my heart, but I'm fairly risk averse. It's weird. Because you would think I'm some wild, but I guess maybe that's the point, right? Chip Reese, I'm, I'm no Chip Reese in batting, but um, 
you know, those guys, usually the ones that last are the ones that, that want everything lined up with them. And for you, you just think, oh, I got a 1% edge, I'm going, right? And I don't know. I don't know. I think that you're probably the better gambler, and I'm probably going to have more money at the end. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> at least the no, latter. You're the better gambler. The latter. <laughs> no, you are, God, Lord. I mean, especially in game. I mean, jeez. I mean, the more I've – I become better as a handicapper, I see your weaknesses, but I also see your strengths, and you've got a lot of them. I don't think you knew what your weaknesses were until I showed yeah. you that. I, I was happy – I was happy to do that. And you're ha- and, and you bring up great points that I was a school of CLV closing line value. Hey, if you beat the closing number, you're going to win. No, you're not necessarily going to win. Well, in theory, you're going to win long term. And I agree with that if the market is it's liquid. A- yeah. But here's the whole catch-22 is the fact that you're betting against the market means you think you know more than the market. So if the market agrees with you, it's meaningful but if it disagrees, and maybe that's the whole. Di- so that means you can't bet at post. Yeah, that's but, the that's right. the, how can I get CLV when you can't? I'm at close. You can't. You and, can't, and, right? And you, and you know for a fact, as an NFL expert, that especially the last two or three years, is there's been different betting happening on Sundays, and we're trying to figure out exactly what it is. That some, I'd say, what a third of your side bets. You're firing an hour before the game because you're bucking money. Yeah. As an example, buck, 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 buck. buck, buck. just as an example on SOV, I gave out Kansas plus three against Texas. I don't know if you followed that game. There were three and a halves at so post. We're, saying we're talking about NFL versus – go ahead. Well, the bottom line is the game landed three. But did you bet it because – I think it landed two. Did you bet it – Three. It was three? Yeah. Did you bet it – It be- should have been two, but it was three. Did you bet it because of a late move? Or did it just happen to linger your number? That's a different thing, right? It is a different thing. Yeah. I, I'm, let's talk. Try to focus. On Sundays, you've been making game day bets on sides, correct? Yes. Explain the usually the typical reason you do that. Because I'm fading the line move. What's happening? I feel there's an over um, steam move on certain teams yeah. that I'm Momentum, going against. Followers, whatever the echo of it. Yes. Going too far. Yes. Thus, how does that do against closing line value? Well, it it wins you're, against. You're, you're saying I know more than closing yes, line value. Yes, because I'm getting no closing line value, but it does just fine. You're saying I'm betting against the sharpest line possible because it's right before the game. You know what? It isn't as sharp as it was 12 hours before. Yes. So how can you believe in the closing line value as a tenant? I'm not I saying don't. You, you I do. don't. That's you a, do. You do. You just said you can't go. You just said we could pull up the tape. But if you strap me to a lie detector test and said. So you're saying you're lying to us? Hold on. Hold hold on. No. I worship at the altar of closing line value. You just said that like 12 minutes ago. I said that was a mistake that you taught that you've t- you've taught me. No, you were saying I'm saying why are you still going to bet college that college football one double A stuff? You go because the closing line. Well, when it's five points, the closing oh, line oh, so value. You do believe in it? It's in either- general, I believe in it. But if all things being equal, if a line moves from zero to six and it's closing six, and you ask me what's the right number, I would say it's probably more like four and a half. Here's what you need to understand. 95% of the true sharps think what I'm saying is making me square. I know that, and I'm saying it. And here's why I think they get it wrong. And again, if I'm going against 95% of the sharps, at best, I'm 60%. <laughs> so, 
I don't know, maybe 55. And here's why, all joking aside, I think they get it wrong. They crave certainty. I, I would say 90% of the true talents I've ever met in this business, I mean the Malinsky-level people, and I don't even know 90% right. There's probably been five of those. And again, Malinsky might have been at the top of that list. Are very regretful about their career. You know, Barry Greenstein's a good example of that. He wrote, you know, one of the more famous poker books. I think Ace on the River was the name of it. He used to give it away and when he, at the final table. And if you look at the actual um, dedication at the beginning of the book, he's like completely self-flagellating saying like, you know, maybe my parents can, th- and I, I'm paraphrasing here, maybe my parents could think that I wasn't just such a failure because I wrote, like it was like not that, but it was almost that. It's like, what the hell? Like, I swear to, I mean, listen, I was bragging about my college. I, I turned down Harvard Law School. I am so happy I did. It'd be another schmuck with a law degree. And maybe I got too much Goodfellas in me or whatever, but I, this is, like, I get to live like in a, not like a mobster fully, but like he said, we were like uh, movie stars with muscle. It's obviously at a lower level. But in a small way, which is the way I am comfortable with, I'm a coal miner's son, I dictate, I want to do a pate, we do it today. I mean, I'm not one to be like flip my hand and say, Fez, we're changing the schedule. But I set the schedule because that's the schedule I think is best, but it's the schedule I want. I, you know, most people who meet me are excited to meet me. Meaning, you know, so it's like, a, think about it. In a sm- it's so small relative to like a true, forget like uh, Denzel Washington. Like Colin. Colin can't walk 10 feet in a casino without someone rushing him. He has fame that's such next level. And then there's three levels above that. I'm not even, I'm saying that in most situations, when I do business, someone, the, the other person's heard of me and they're impressed. They're like, oh, I hear you're in the red. That in general is the tenor of my life. Thus, that's so different than the average person. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't come with the, I would hate be not being able to walk down the street. Obviously, it'd be nice to be worth ten, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. But if you can't walk down the street and be left alone, there is a price to that. I found, an, and I've tried to be more famous. It's not like I'm holding back. It's just this is the level. And it is a sweet spot, I think, because I'm not getting a call. You know, if I'm around a sports book, I'm probably getting noticed. If I'm not, I'm not most of the time. I mean, ha- you know. But, you know, my, it isn't much more in, outside of a sports book or casino, you know, once a week at the most, you know, kind of thing. So it's cool, mm-hmm. right? But it's not a hindrance in any way. Money's fine. So it's like, to me, why? who would want to be a lawyer? Or wh- what else could you be, right? Like doctor. I, I get if you're saving lives and that's your calling. My calling is to get over on people, not in a forthright way, meaning anyone can hustle and lie, and then you're going to jail. And that was kind of eventually. And that was the point of the movie stars with my, if you go, If you mob up, and again, not, that was never a, an option for me. It wasn't something I wanted. Or it wasn't even an option. I, I don't even know if the mob was. I know there was a guy that was supposedly in Wheeling that ran things. I never met the guy. I didn't know. But they almost all go to jail or die. Mm-hmm. They're saying, we don't want to live like schlubs. 
and we're willing to go to jail or die or both. Well, I guess certainly both if you go to jail at one point. Is we're all, and I mean die before their time. All just not to be a schlub. I get if the choice was to be a schlub or go to law school, you'd rather go to law school. I get it. But if you can be Barry Greenstein, who is much more famous than me, and, and more accomplished in his field. I mean, as a poker player, as I am a batter. Now, in media, it's a you know, different thing. But that's the weird thing. I'm a hybrid. You know, I'm not great at media compared to Colin. So it's, it's this weird hybrid that, that feels right to me. But I can't imagine wishing I was someone to graduate from Harvard. Now, I do sometimes. I wish I would have graduated from Harvard. I met someone who went to law school and did the corporate route. Hmm. I do wish I would have butted heads against the hedge fund guys, but that isn't about standing. Most people don't even know what a hedge fund is. If you say I'm with so-and-so capital, what the hell do they know? So I'm more famous than probably 95% of the hedge fund people. So if it's about fame, I didn't, wouldn't want that. I don't 99.5. Whatever. I don't care about what well, some of them choose to spend money to be anonymous. Yeah. So, I mean, what I'm saying is that we all got to decide what matters to us, but I don't understand how, and I'm saying most people feel this. Malinsky felt it for sure. I mean, he wanted to be an author. He wanted to write mm-hmm. books. And, and, and in a way, that's what made him so good at what he did. He was an artist doing something not artistic, but he put art into it. Yes. And how could you think, I get Dave might have wanted to be a novelist or something, because then he was pursuing his art. But then he would have been broke probably, right? Because almost every novelist is broke. So we all make our choices. But the choice between corporate, even high-level corporate person that's punching a clock effectively, really, versus Barry Greenstein, Dave Malinsky, me, you, I don't get how other than you're letting society's, your mom or dad's scorecard dictate. And and I, I'm not saying those people are evil. Or I'm saying it, it's a flaw in their thinking because there's – Oh, being a doctor is what's good. Like, what the hell does that person know? That person usually is like, you know, the people saying that usually never went to college. They don't know. I know there's people who go to college, but people who go to college will say, I don't think I've ever met anyone that says college was more important than I thought it would be. Everyone says, you know, it seems like a waste of time sometimes, but ultimately I've realized it isn't. That's the, that is the smart angle. What do you think of college? Pretty much that, right? No. I actually think college is way overutilized. I'm saying, but you still had value. Yes. But you let, let me guess, a way overutilized. What's the greatest wish you have for your son? Go to Stanford. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that true, huh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> and do you know why? Because you don't have to live it. You can sit back and look. It's like uh, on The Sopranos, um, uh, Carm- or not Carmine, Carmela, like her daughter, do- you know, uh, Meadow was becoming a lawyer and she was upset. She goes, you know, being a doctor for kids, that would have been something. Hmm. It's like, you're some, you know, you, you're some, uh, I'm not sure if Guma or not Guma, but some Guido. I think that's allowed now. I'm Italian, so I don't know. But, you're, you know, Jersey, the 18 necklaces, again, my sister has exactly that number. But it's like, <laughs> It's like, I get it. It's like, but now you have a daughter who went to an Ivy League school and is going to be a lawyer, but that's not good enough, right? It's like, it's all because it's how do you put it up on your mantle? 
How do you put it up on your mantle and feel like you were a good person because your kid's a, a pediatrician? Mm. And it's like, God darn, is that selfish, right? And I get it. You're not, you would, if you really saw your boy upset about, about school, you'd say, quit then. You know, you wouldn't want him to, you'd want him to fight. You'd want him, but you'd want his wealth. If you, if, if someone said, God came down and said, he can graduate Stanford, but he's going to have mental issues because of the strap. You'd say, get him out of Stanford. Of course. But you don't make the connection. And does it's what can you put up on your mantle? Mm -hmm. And we're all and, and I get why parents are like that. I don't get why a brilliant person would let the parents' limited thinking. And I'm not saying I. Who knows what I? You know, I'm not gonna have kids. But I, who knows? I, part of the reason I chose not to, to be candid, was I know how hard I am on myself. I, I, I even if I was half as hard on my kid, it wouldn't be a good thing. So. I know everyone says, well, once you like, it's like, well, geez, you ever see how hard people are on their kids? It's like they love their kids too, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it doesn't seem, it seems like you're easy on Johnny, but you are very determined that he have a certain path. Well, his mom is very determined, so I'm the cupcake. Well, I think you're determined too. So, so like you his just mom, make her out to be the bad guy. His mom says, all right, Johnny's got to work on his tennis games. Go play with him. So we go there, <laughs> and we uh, don't tell mom, but we bring a bat. All right, and he bring his big plastic bat, and then halfway through the tennis, we take the hopper tennis balls, and I just let him hack away with the bat and play baseball <laughs> with the tennis balls. Oh, well, seeing his athleticism, I don't think he's really ha hack. I mean, he might be swinging. Oh, he's missing. hacking already. Right. Swinging and missing, right? Yeah. Is, but, but you do realize you're teaching him something interesting. Is say yes, ma'am. Put your eyes down, and then get away. And when you're not being watched, you can be yourself. Daddy, be sure you bring the bat. Yeah, think about Daddy, it. Daddy, think about it. Keep the bat in your car. This could be like a mama dearest type set. I, 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 we're gonna have to follow this for many years. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I give Fez uh, heat, but his intention, good natured and sometimes serious, but his intent with his kid is the purest. I, you know, it's pure. It's pure. And uh, I know everyone I know loves their kids, but you've got a purity in that. Again, I think it's. There's, I couldn't go into that, but it is beautiful, and you should be proud of it, and I believe that sincerely. All right, that was a, a rant, but I thought it was interesting, actually. Just that idea. I mean, would you? last question. Would you agree that most truly successful people in our, let's say, the fringe, the alternative stuff, they usually are happy they're rich, but they, they, they don't seem self-satisfied. They seem to be like, I'm only doing this because I couldn't hack it somewhere else. I don't know if I'm aware enough to on how others feel. I don't think I can answer that. Hmm. But I'm just thinking who, I mean, it's just so, I guess it's also niche too. Like most of the people that would be successful, you might not have heard of, you know, meaning that they, they made a lot of money. But wouldn't you say the very fact that so many people like, I don't think most of the people who do media, like, really part-time, half-ass, is I don't think they think of it as lead generation. To me, it was always an end, a means to an end. It was always, I got something to say. If I get out there with it, there's going to be a certain percentage of people that's going to say, that guy's looking at things in a perspective different. I want to follow it. I, maybe I'm going to love it. Maybe I'm going to like half of it. Maybe I'm going to hate it, but he's smart, and I'm going to see why I disagree. Whatever it is, I, all, I thought it would give me an audience that then would allow me to say, look at what Steve Fezzik's doing. Look, and that's what we do here. And people are like, you don't tout anything on the show. And it's like, yeah, because the act of us showing ourselves is the tout. Mm -hmm. 
And if you like it enough to go to Faz at pregame.com or follow him on Twitter at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. That's it. It's about one minute of the long pod. But if you care to want to hear it, you're going to hunt it out. And that's the beauty of it. We can give people that don't engage with us in any other way good value and we make money from that too if when we have that we didn't even bother with advertisers this year but next year we will probably yeah but otherwise it doesn't cost me incrementally anymore for the next hundred thousand to listen Mm -hmm. so i love it i love that but i think most of these guys it's about wanting to feel good about themselves they want to say mommy i agree with that and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but in fact that's human but it's just the the need to I think why you know what final thing you know why proof I'm right? Have you ever seen poker's in an analogous situation, uh, have you ever seen a more petty, backbiting group of people than elite poker? And I'm not talking about the true elites at the highest level, but the people who are good enough to play even 10, 20, no limit, which is a high level, and are on two plus two. The back, the 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 clannishness, the clickiness in there is just—it's like high school, but with really smart, vicious people. Hmm. You don't see. I don't see that. Who do you talk to other than trade information? You know, I think part of it is just I—I got a really good friend that's a pro poker player, Uh and 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 his friends, and like one of his friends is Ronnie. You might know Ronnie. He's like cashed five straight times in the World Series. Limo driver, Howard Stern. No. Okay. But he's the, like the, he's the only guy that's cashed five straight times in the main event, and he's like he's like whenever I I don't talk to him that often, but when I do, he's like very open, talks about poker theory. But, you're, with but me because and, he, you're not a threat to him. There you're right. Maybe that that's good. Point. And I'm not I'm yeah. not saying they don't share stuff. I'm saying that they do. You, I mean, go read two plus two, or mm-hmm. I guess it's the main form. Right. Is if someone's in the club, and I've never even posted there. It's not like oh somehow they were mad. I, I don't I don't listen. I don't. I'm, no one's going to take you like I'm not going to be if I ever do I would do it under a burner account which I haven't but I, I I'm not saying I wouldn't because I'd want to have a conversation as a nobody mm-hmm. and just be a part of it not someone that's going to say and it's not like oh I don't want them to treat me great no they're going to treat me like shit because they're going to want to prove they're smarter than me mm-hmm. and at poker they are right so I mean by, by 10 or whatever so to me I just, my sense is everyone's trying to show you how smart they are. Yes. Why do you think that is? Who does that as kids? It's people that are insecure about their yeah, intelligence. Yeah, they want to Isn't it, if you're a poker validate player, themselves. If you're a poker player who's making a living at poker, you should feel pretty self-satisfied. Yeah. How self-satisfied are they? I don't think you... Yeah. I, right? How are we looking? Oh. Mackenzie, give us an update. Halftime, high-scoring game. Devin Booker has 19 points. All right, that slowed down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so that's. I mean, we're obviously. That's good looking, news. I mean, my. Uh, but let, not after the first quarter. So, th- I mean, we're going to project 38, right? One potential um, problem is that Devin Booker has three fouls. He sat the last minute of the oh. second quarter. Well, you know something? In a way, I like that. He's because, a guard. It's okay. Well, but what I'm saying is I like it because it means our handicap was right, but something's repressing it a little bit. But we're obviously what seventy five percent to to or eighty percent to go over twenty six and a half. Eighty three. Really, I think we're more than that. So you're saying there's a seventeen percent chance he's going to score less than seven points. Yeah, that's not. You're right. It's eighty seven. Yeah. Probably, well, no, you, I think it's higher. You think it's ninety? 
I don't know. I mean, what, unless he gets hurt, like. Well, there, there's actually a live over under. All right. Oh, 33 and a half over is minus 125. Looking good. Yeah. So I might. So there's a 50-50 chance I'll start hitting my multipliers. All right. Um, good conversation. Closing thoughts on, and then we'll do our best bets. Just give me your three biggest NBA takes that we haven't discussed yet. Phoenix Suns. Oh, well, that's my best bet. It's, oh, it's your best bet. But, but, but well, I don't I mean, want to. You didn't even have this till I gave it to you. Why would you be leading with my bet? Well, I just think that, that that's a team that's, that people have been sleeping on, right? But you never thought of that till I mentioned that's it. That's right. This is so an RJ. Maybe save that for my best bet. We'll, s- we'll save that. <laughs> uh, I'll, you'll not talk about my bet. Miami Heat. All right. Okay, so the Miami Heat have been scuffling along. They're 14 and 17, and I know there's a duplication. There's a bet that the Hitman really likes for best bet that I I I, I am bullish on the Miami Heat going let's forward. Let's listen. Let's listen to the Hitman. Hitman in Jersey. He's also AKA the translucent one, and he has a bet on Miami in a division. Now, Fez, this is true. Fez was liking it, and Hitman liked it. My thought is, I don't know if we got a reply if it was independent or if it was following you. I he doesn't. St- Here's the thing. When you hear someone like a bat and you like it for independent reasons after you think about it, I, it's a very valid thing. I'm not saying there's any problem with it. It's just amongst our clan, we're going to make sure to want to give credit where credit's due. I'm not sure if Fez inspired this one. or I know it wasn't vice versa. doesn't even matter. We just want to give fair credit. Let's listen to the Hitman's take. Best bet, Miami Heat to win their division, minus 155. Miami struggled mightily to start the season, but the buy sign is on them as they're finally starting to get healthy. And one of the bigger reasons that Miami's undervalued is the fact that we can attribute their slow start to the season to playing so late in the bubble and having a shortened offseason. We've seen three of the four finalists from last season in Boston, Denver, and Miami struggle to start the season, which we could have expected coming into the year. This is going to give us value on them going forward, and we might already be seeing that with Miami as they've won three straight road games, and they said that they're starting to feel like it's the bubble once again on this road trip. I'm betting on Miami to get their groove back as they're clearly the most talented team, and they're definitely the best coach team in their division. Best bet, Miami Heat to win their division, minus 155. All right, Fez. The takes seem to line up here. Give us, uh, give us your little angle on it. All right, so the Miami Heat had to play in the NBA Finals, and we talked about the Lakers having to wheel back, you know, with only uh, six weeks in yeah, between but, but seasons. but the difference is we were saying the Lakers' fatigue would be an issue. Yes, but well, the Lakers— Why would you start slow because of this? And you lost. You're supposed to be wanting to get redemption. Be- because I would That's think the average bullshit. team— It's because there's I don't there's think it's bullshit wrong. at all. I think the average team would say, you know what? We're going to ease into the So you season. want to bet the average team at minus 155 to win a division, even though they're not in first place? Well, they're half a game out of first so place. So they're not in first place. They're not in first place. And they're a typical team, apparently. Well, they're they're 12-9 and nine when Jimmy Butler plays. Mm. and So they're three games above 500 with him. They're six games below 500 without him. That's why they're— And he never misses games. Well, oh, he's wait. missed a lot of games because of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, so but that— Historically, he's been so—oh, wait, he hasn't been durable, has he? No. Go ahead. All right, so I see a team that's clearly playing better. It's just too ABC to me. Well, there's no competition. Atlanta's playing poorly. Charlotte's playing poorly. We mean no competition. Not even in first place. They're half game behind Charlotte right I got now. It. 
And if you look at like all the projection sites, Miami sports. Well, the projection sites are based upon what they thought coming in the season. We all get Miami was supposed to win this division easily. Yeah, the fact that we're almost halfway through the season, they haven't. I get the one part that I get is without Butler. It's just, it just feels like this team's underperformed even without Butler. I mean, they, have. You, they have. So why is that? It could just be random small sample or it could be there's other issues. I, I think the other issue is that th- I, I do think that when the season started, the lack of time between the NBA finals. And how did MJ respond to losing against Orlando? He came out guns ablaze. And I know that they're not MJ, but it just feels like this is an indictment. Hmm. And and I get it. if we were if, if there were three people in it and they're even teams, it should be plus two hundred, no vig, right? Yes. I said I'd take plus one thirty when I was trying to think of this without seeing the price. Minus one fifty five? Like what do you should it be? Minus I think it should be I think it should be like minus two twenty because I'm I, I'm confident Miami's gonna finish with a winning record. I'm confident Charlotte's gonna finish with a losing record. Really? And Atlanta's gonna finish a little bit what, below five hundred. Really Charlotte? Who's, I mean, if we said who's I got no, ta- I know nothing. So what, but- what are you coughing? You're saying this is the same thing you run into mistakes with, which is I went with the default. So it's like, well, then that's what the market is telling us, the default. So you've got one insight here, which is, and, and maybe that's enough. Listen, if I had to bet this, I would bet. Meaning if the choice was this or, or book it, right? Bet it or book it. Right. Which I've never heard that. That's good. That's kind of interesting. I would bet it. I tell you this, a 180, I probably book it. Hmm. I mean, I think we're talking about a sliver here. Now, the fact that Hitman likes it separately, and I do like that, but you guys are kind of coming up with the same handicap. I just don't, I don't know. It feels like there's so many things that could be wrong that we don't know about. But maybe you're right in that if I'm right, there's one other factor. Maybe the line's right, meaning that let's say I knew there was some drag on the result. Maybe the line should be 155. And if you're right and there's nothing else except Butler was gone, then the line should be 220. And maybe even if it's 50-50, you still got value. It's kind of maybe it's a free roll. Like, yeah, I can see that. Like, even you, you if- brought up a great point, though, because what do I know about Charlotte? Hey, they're 14 and 16. They're getting outgained by one point per game. And I know, uh, very, I know very little about Charlotte. I really haven't looked into yeah. are they undervalued or over? Have they been off my radar screen? So I'm just assuming they were supposed to be a little bit worse than average, and that's how they played. So that's what I'm assuming they're going to continue to do. Maybe that's a mistake. I do this begrudgingly at this point, but what's your take on Charlotte, McKenzie? LaMelo Ball is the story of the season as far as Charlotte. Michael Jordan finally got one of these high draft picks right. I wasn't a believer. I didn't like his style or whatever, but you look at his numbers at 19. You you didn't like his style playing like Magic Johnson? I mean, just taking 40-footers in the Australian League versus, you know, shooting 20%. Oh, I understand coming in, but you've seen that. Yeah, now, now I love him. I love to watch him. Magic Johnson at 19, LaMelo Ball at 19. You look at their numbers side by side, you couldn't tell who was the rookie of the year this year and who was one of the greatest point guards of all time debuting in 1980. When he, since he's started, they've done a lot better. I know uh, for a long time they were way better than 500 when he played 27 minutes and 3-9 and nine when he didn't. Now he's going to play 27 minutes every time because they can see how yeah, good this yeah, guy I, is. I think I could give a pick the same way, which is saying LaMelo Ball is the driver of this and that if we look at this chunk of the season, the early chunk, his role was not uh, as in, or not as involved, impactful. He's emerged as a rookie of the year candidate, 
and being impactful from here, we would project out that Charlotte gets better. I mean, that, that's a, I, I think that's as, as equally compelling as Butler was out and now he's in. Right? Because that one, may, maybe, yeah, equally, I think. That's fair. If, now, maybe not because Butler's got a long history and we know how good he's going to be. LaMelo could revert back. To, and he's got some other pedigreed players, you know, Butler on that but, team. But, but they were all, those are the players that gave him the record they have now. That's true. And if anything, you could make the case that, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a player guy in the NBA, but the dude who ended up shooting the lights out in the early rounds and Tyler Hero, yeah, and he did. Like, hold games. on, it feels like the book. Oh Jesus, everyone misses games at some point. <laughs> Are the Sixers explaining away how many games that Embiid's missed? No. God, this is why when you're easy on yourself, you're easy on your picks. It's like you always want to find an angle. It's like let's not keep grasping for things that weren't even in your original handicap. But Hero is a guy that is pretty limited, and it feels like a quarterback they figured him out. Hmm. That you know they, He was good last year, but it was surprising, and now he's not. Is that fair to say, McKenzie? Yeah, absolutely. He was the sixth man last year, you know, kind of under the radar. Since they started him, he hasn't looked like the same guy. Because when you can't drive to the basket, it's kind of hard to play in the NBA. There's a lot of white guys that can shoot. He's white, right? Yes. Yeah. I, didn't even, I thought so. I Although Jimmy Butler did say he was the blackest white guy he ever met. For what <laughs> Well, that was worth. when he was going to the hoop and scoring, I think. <laughs> yeah, right, in the finals, not now. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love it. I, I do think that McKenzie's point about the trend line with Charlotte is, is, is a good one. And it's Randall's on that team, right? Uh, Gordon Hayward's their second best oh, player. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Randall's oh, with the Knicks now. Okay. I was, I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I just was thinking about his search. So, and, and hey, you know, from the Celtics, how would you say he's playing? I think he's a, a, uh, exceeded expectations. If you listen to any of the Boston fans, they're like, he's the one guy we need. Why did we get rid of this guy? He's mm -hmm. looking good. So, in a way, they swapped they're they're you know one they swapped players with the Celtics. I mean it wasn't the transaction but that's ultimately what happened. Yeah. Right. Huh. And the Charlotte player, oh god, I'm having a mental block. He's hurt I always have trouble with his name, but he, he he's been injured the whole season pretty much, right? Yeah, Kemba Walker, he's well, been yeah. he's had a rough rough go of it. But everyone thought that trade was like some huge cuz Hayward hadn't been fine since he hurt his ankle that first game and now he's playing the best and yep. Coming back with Kemba, he, he ended up having a lingering knee injury that they didn't really know about, right? Right. He made their all-star team last year with the first year with the team. Not close to it this year. And Celtics got crushed tonight, right? They got beat, I guess, by 15, ultimately, but still by the Hawks. They were road favorites and got beat. All right. I don't know. Fat. What do you think of this, McKenzie? This pick. My reaction to it was almost exactly the same as, as yours. Like, I, I like it, but hard to love it when you got the Hornets, the Wizards have won five of six. Yeah, that's a lot interesting, of too. Can I mean, boy, you talk about a fourth wild card when you, when you got a team that people projected to be borderline playoff team. They started slow. Everyone said same old Wizards. Boy, I, I you know, something, I don't like it. I think I'd book it at 155. Hmm. But force, I don't think there's a big edge there. What is your what is the Washington calculation? They're eleven and eighteen, so oh, so they're two games back, three games. There's like fifty games left. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Things that the, the season can change. Look at Russell Wilson being the MVP favorite and then collapsing. I mean, and this is seventy-two games, right? Yes. And do you think thirty? And you think Russ really wants to be like known his career's over? Look, look at the. Didn't he play? He played exceptionally well against the Lakers, right? I don't know what his yeah bar- thirty-two line points. Was. Really thirty-two points. You might want to start watching a little NBA. Yeah. Just, I mean, even just look at the results, perhaps. Yeah, this is bad. Actually, and listen, you know I'm being serious because I really have a shine for the Hitman stuff. It's official. This is the first Hitman stinker. <laughs> now, listen, this might do well. It might win easy. I don't think it's a good handicap. Where's the Washington contemplation? I just the fact I'm that saying from the Hitman. Yeah. You go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm equally you know part of this here. Well, you had it, you originated it here. You know, I don't know how much it was a crossover. Meaning, it doesn't matter. You both like it. Yeah. So make the case about the Washington, the, formerly Bullets. I I just looked at their record at eleven and eighteen and pretty much dismissed it. I know they're playing better. I know they beat the Lakers. You know. But you do realize? Did you? Did you yeah. You, <laughs> you do realize that the same rationale that says because they have a worse record they should be dismissed would dismiss Miami. Yes. But it's, and it's two you're, and a half you're, games. You're right. I, sh- I should be looking much more. Why is Charlotte and why is Washington below 500 and their trend lines? and are Because obviously, yes, if you've got three other teams that could win that division, you've got, you know, you're going to lay minus 155. That's probably a bad bet. What are, what's, I might like Washington here. What, what's the Washington odds, Mackenzie? One second. Yeah. Well, you might have gave me a bet here. Looks like you can get 18 to 1. What? I mean, is it me or is that sweet? Yep. 18 to 1. Consensus. You can get 20 to 1 at Bovada. Hmm. Well, here's what we know in closing. And then we'll do our best or my best bet. This is, oh, Fez, you got a best bet too. But this is Fez's mantra now. I've paid all the dues. I'm going to pay. Yeah. You like that? I do. You do? You like that that's how your brand's evolving? No, I just like hearing Ric Flair. But you do realize it's about you. No, I don't like that. You might, I'm trying to like give you a jab to say, do you want this to be like everyone thinking Fez and are thinking, Used to be mansion and yacht. Now it's I paid all the dues I'm gonna pay. No, let's go back to the mansion and the yacht. Well, you can only yeah. bring us back there. Uh-huh. All right, my best bet. I'm gonna clean this all up with this. Don't worry. <laughs> this is sweet. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. My bet is 12 to 1. And let's give some credit where credit's due. I I heard this from two sources. One of them, pregame alum Paulie Howard was talking about this bet. And I, to me, it's important to share, you know, where you hear things from because... One, it motivates people to keep, you know, producing good, you know, again, this was an observation, but still it got me thinking. Most of us don't think about divisions in the NBA. I don't think about it. I don't even think I could name them. I I think it's like the old hockey division, like Atlantic (laughs) North or something. I don't know. 
What are the divisions? Put pop them up, Mackenzie. Is but what we know is this: Phoenix, the Clippers, and the Lakers are in the same division. Pacific, yeah. The, is that right? Okay. And right now, we made a bet. We got off a nice piece, Fez. You joined me on Phoenix to win the Pacific, supposedly division. Now let's think about this a second. Lakers are good, right? And the and the Clippers, oh my God, they're so talented. And then there's Phoenix. The record right now is what, Fetz? So they all have 10 losses. Phoenix has 20 wins. The Lakers, 22. The Clippers, 23. All right. So a game and a half back. Yes. But literally, if they don't, if Phoenix keeps winning like they've been, by the way, 9 and 1, last 10 games, only lost when they were up, what, 24 against. The Nets, the, maybe the best team in the NBA. And this is the team that went 8-0 in the bubble. So if you go from the bubble, from, from July on, who's got the best record in the NBA? I mean, Phoenix, maybe not the best. They're right there, right? Yes. 8-0. They didn't have to worry about the playoffs. I mean, Utah's right there. It's better than Utah. Is it? Yeah. Wow. But yeah, because Utah lost in the play. Utah went three and five, and then three and four. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, what, what, that's interesting. Mackenzie, do that for tomorrow. Who best record since the start of the bubble? I'm on it. That's interesting. And my point would be this: this is a trend line, and now you add Chris Paul, which was the perfect ad. Now, if he would have hit a wall or something, yeah. But the idea that you got a winner. At least at the level we're talking here, which is to win a division, a task master, someone they can look at and say, and I think this whole all-star snub is going to help. It motivates. It also is going to bond. Chris no Paul, respect. No respect for. And Chris Paul was there supporting him. He got in. He was obviously feeding him the ball. He didn't have any points. We'll see how that goes. I mean, it looks good to win, but when I, maybe it doesn't put up 40. But the question is, God, oh, the question is, this is a perfect storm. The team's played as well as anyone. And what we know about LeBron is we talked about his minutes. If he keeps trying to win the MVP, this is probably not – it's still a great bet at 12-1. to 1. I'm saying maybe Phoenix should be 3-1 to 1 here. Mm -hmm. That's what I said is probably – and remember, there's a real chance that LeBron shuts us all down, meaning he'll play, but it's like, listen, AD's going to be hurt longer than we thought. I can't keep this up. You know, we're going to play our hardest and do it in the playoffs, right? Which means they probably emotionally, they let it go that to win in divisions. And the Clippers, who freaking knows? I think they're worse than last year. I get Paul George is playing better. Who knows what he's going to do in the playoffs? It doesn't matter to us in this bet. But in general, I think the supporting cast is worse. What do you think, McKenzie? Supporting cast for the Clippers after the first two this year, last year. You know, I think Montrez Harrell pretty much blew their whole season last year. So just the fact that he's gone, the absence of that negative. Well, how can one guy of nine guys blow a season? It was amazing how much Jokic worked him in that playoff series. It was like every But who's single... going to guard Jokic now? Yeah, Ivan Zubac did better in that playoff series. He didn't do great. Definitely not a good matchup for them, no. So I mean, the point I'm saying is if, it, if we're relying on, on Kawhi caring about the regular season – 
I mean, he mustered up the strength to play Utah, and they only won by four, was it? When when they just got beat. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, was an upgrade for Utah, even though they didn't cover. It was just in the a, home run spot of all yeah. spots for the Clippers. And then they couldn't keep it and win at home against the Nets without their best player. I, I don't see anything about the Clippers that impress me. And and you could make the case this is the up and coming. This is the Utah that lost a couple games Utah didn't. You can make that case. And you can you can bag on Harold, but he's a really good bench guy in terms of, you know, supporting his team and everything else. I mean, he brings a whole lot of energy. Would you disagree with that, McKenzie? Oh no, he's an energy guy, but that energy kind of turns sour when you, you know, when you have a bad stretch. I think I think it was kind of it kind of worked against him last year. Here's the thing. If I had to bet last longer in the playoffs, Phoenix, Lakers, Clippers, 12 to 1 would probably be the right odds. But it's very likely the Lakers won't be pushing hard the whole season. It, once LeBron's narrative ends, once he sees he's going to get him, all it takes is him getting hurt for 10 days in the next, you know, when AD's out for them to just hit the toilet, right? Imagine them without the Bane 2, right? And I get it. Phoenix can get hurt. We're getting 12 to 1. This is really sweet, I think, because it's both an underrated team, I think two overrated teams by a smidge, but more importantly, the truth of how good the Lakers and Clippers are is not aligned to them winning the division. Right. Yes. And, and I love the analysis that you did. You said, let me break down like, like matchups. So if we have the Clippers against the Lakers the rest of the year, I think we pretty much agree. Who's going to have the best record? Who's going to have the best record? Eh, Clippers minus 200. All right. And then we talk about, well, let's see, what about the Lakers against Phoenix? And we're like, wow, I'm really not sure who should be favored here because of all the points you made. And if LeBron stops trying to be the MVP, then you could make the case Phoenix should be favored. But that may or may not happen. So the bottom line is if, if the Lakers and Phoenix are equal and the Clippers are minus 200 against the Lakers, if we play the season out four times, the Clippers win two division titles, the Lakers win one, Phoenix wins one, and thus Phoenix would be yeah, fair value at three to one. And let's say that we're triple wrong. We're yeah. still getting great value at nine if it's supposed to be nine to yes. one. Yes. Right? So this is a margin of safety, a mode of safety of a bet. You got to know how to do it with your um, bankroll because you're going to, you know, if we won this bet every fourth time, it'd be the best bet of the year. You're going to lose three out of four in that case. Right? So I went higher than I, you know, I want a full dime on this. I'm not sure I wouldn't want a second dime. We, you know, that's what we were able to get off on the, uh, and that was a good effort, by the way. Good job. And, you know, I like it. There's no sure things, especially at 12 to 1. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, one last thought on it. This is kind of next, uh, you know, second level, third level, whatever. The If Utah keeps the number one seed, like you think 80% or whatever, then the Lakers are going to, in the last week or so, they might start to position themselves not to play each other in round two. The Clippers. Yeah, Clippers and Lakers. So it's very possible that it's tied going in the last week. and Because Phoenix is, like you said, tied in the loss column right now. And all of a sudden, because, you know, think about it. If the Lakers are two and three, they would play each other in the second round. Mm -hmm. If one, let's say that, you know, and then Phoenix is four right now in theory. And all of it, and again, maybe it, it's not the 
past both of them. I don't know. But what I'm saying is I can see 20%, 30% of the scenarios the last week, one of those two teams isn't even interested in winning. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, because if I'm the Clippers, I'd much rather play Utah in the second round than play the Lakers. Yeah. So under that theory, there's a chance not only that they don't really care all that much, they might actively be looking to lose in the last mm-hmm. week. That's not that's Great the sweet point. that's the sweetener to me. It's not the key to it. What do you think, McKenzie? You know, before the show, you asked me if I wanted a piece. I'm really regretting not getting as much as I can. That was very generous of me. Why? I gave you a ten dollar free roll. Oh, uh, at least, at least I'm, you know, I got one to taste. Yeah, look, look he wants to wet his bee. Amazingly, Phoenix is losing to Charlotte by nine. That's fine. Listen, we can't Lakers sweat. Are every, too. Lakers we are can't too. sweat every game. Yeah. We got a twelve to one <laughs> shot. I mean, we're just gonna roll with it. it that's the thing. You're gonna lo- listen. People will bet lay eleven hundred. Do you want to lay eleven hundred on the other or 1200? God no? That's what I'm saying. So, but if anything, hopefully it will get him scoring. How's it scoring? Twenty-one. How much has gone in the third? We're at the end, almost the end of the third quarter. Holy shit! God darn it! I'll, 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 I'll make a call and get him off that all-star team. <laughs> I, that is actually really shocking. How do you only get? How many shots did he put up in the third? I don't know. I don't know. Well, how one many. For, he went one for six. Oh, well, that's actually good news. So he's getting the usage. <sighs> All right, Dave Astler's going to save us, maybe. But I don't even know about this one. This is, listen, this is Astler if there's ever been Astler. He's bucking the Spurs? Let's listen. I bet the Spurs even money to miss the playoffs. Wait, what? San Antonio is five games over 500. Well, they should be. They've played, according to team rankings, the fourth easiest schedule so far. They've also played at least three less road games than most Western Conference teams and just had four road games postponed. What that probably means is that their second-half schedule is going to make up for that, and this is a team that's allowing more points than they score. Their COVID issues are going to create rust at the very least, and they've only got a handful of games before another break for the All-Star game. Look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do suspect the NBA would rather see Zion and Luka in the playoffs than the Spurs, and I'm betting even money that that happens. And if for no other reason, the fact that San Antonio is only minus 125 to make the playoffs. So Spurs even money to miss the playoffs. You know something? This is a classic handicap. I give him credit. So what? what is going to make a team overrated at this point? It's going to be strength of schedule that people aren't thinking about all that much. It's going to be home road splits. It's going to be close game which is not scoring margin and now with covid kind of emerging i don't have all the details wow he's surprised this is what a great handicapper can do they can give you it's say really and i again i like pop as a coach but he made a hell of a case here and then the idea of that the, the, especially with this i'm always a little worried i know they just got announced today the, the, the holding back who plays what where when yeah, the little conspiracy theory about if you're the NBA, do you want uh, the ultra-boring Spurs in the playoffs or Luka and or, Zion? Or Zion, yeah. Yeah. And to me, how how does the NBA do that, let's say, if they did? Well, you find the spots where you're going to play the worst teams and make it the best spot. So now you're favored by nine instead of – or maybe 11 instead of nine. 
but then you take the competitive games and you make it a back-to-back or you give them a bye before or a game up. You can increase that that strength of schedule or the, the difficulty of a schedule by a good five seven percent. Yeah, just don't have your opponents come in very often on back to backs alone. Can help you. Yeah. Yeah. He did it. He won me over. All right. Any closing thoughts? No, I like Essler's best bet here. Makes sense. And plus, was that that pops doing it again? Magic. I got to tell you, I don't. I get swayed from. I don't like it to neutral. He's got me all the way the other way. Dave underscore Ashler certainly was better than the hitman this week. First time ever getting my disapproval. <laughs> we'll see if, how he likes that. All right, boys. Next you ready week. for my FSS, FCS best bet? Oh, you got you got more? I do. What was the crappy one you were given? Why were you? Oh, just you just, I, you, no, it wasn't just. You loved that yes. bet. And you just didn't want uh, the hitman to get all the love. Okay. Go ahead. All right, FCS, Missouri State, minus five against Western How, Illinois. How's your record in this? I am 0-5 uh, on my own best. Yes, continue, please. All right, so Missouri State got to play three games in the fall. Now, this is interesting with the FCS. Some teams played in the fall, and some teams chose not to. So, advantage to the team. They went in, got the reps, and got to play some games. Missouri State went 0-3 in the fall. That doesn't look good. But two of their losses, they actually outstatted their opponent. The wind was blowing. Well, they lost by 7-9. and nine. The wind was blowing against them. But they won the stats in both games. They're minus six in turnovers in those two games. And that's good. And that's good to be minus in turnovers. That's why they lost both those games. So I get a team that is 0-3 on the records, but actually statistically was 2-1. and one. They've got three games under their belt from the fall, and now they're playing a team in Western Illinois that's a terrible team that has not played a football game in well over a year. I like Missouri State minus five. What has history shown us with the rust factor? Because uh, I know college basketball has been dealing with this. Don't have the latest numbers about teams coming off the COVID shutdown. I know they're below 500 in terms of against the spread. But what I mean is, is in general, when you look at a team that hasn't played a bunch of football, I oh, think that's a negative. That is. If it's a one game, a team that has played a game or played two games against a team that's played none, you actually, all things being one equal, want to play on the team that's no, played none. I understand none. that. But what I'm saying is this is unusual in that it's been over. Oh, I guess it, really they haven't played a game in like over a year, right? Or like yeah, since months. 2019, November yeah. 2019. So – What's been the history? I know this is unique to this pandemic. What's been the history on this with teams now playing after 18 months, uh, playing a team that hasn't played or that has played? I do not have that. I've paid all the dues. I'm going to pay. Yeah. Oh, I hope you you just start hearing that in your head. All right, boys. Next week.